This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello everyone, this is episode number 131 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is July 16th, 2019. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is Jaximus Tataru. There you go. What's going down? Uh, I just got back from Disney. I don't know if I told you that I went. Disneyland uh, or Disney World? World. Oh, dope. Yeah, it's pretty sick. I got several pictures with uh, with Goofy. Of course you did. <laughs> yep. You're a fucking weirdo. And it was... <laughs> Uh, my daughter finally went on um, the Haunted Mansion for the first time, and uh, Space Mountain and the Rock and Roller Coaster all for the first time. Damn. How yeah. old is she? 10. That's awesome. It's a good experience. Did she was, like it? It was fun. She said she thinks she passed out for a second on Rock and Roller Coaster. Uh, is, that, is that surprising? I don't think I've ever been on that ride. It's, it's like super fast. Okay. Um, and, um, it does like corkscrews. It's the only one that goes upside down and stuff at Disney world. Oh, dope. Um, and the, you know how it takes the picture while you're on it? Uh, oh yeah. Like some of those <laughs> her face, was, it almost looks like a meme, like how, how crazy really? her face was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she, then she said she really liked it though, but then she was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it again. But so I think it was like a little too intense, but she did good. She didn't like get freaked out or anything. Uh, so that was lots of fun. That's good at least. Yeah, it was good. It was a good trip. We had lots of fun. We went. It was me. It was like kind of a family trip. It was us and my sister and her husband and uh, my mom. So uh, it was a good time. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Have you been up to anything special? Not a lot. Just trying to avoid the heat. It's so hot here, and I can't oh, go outside. You cannot go outside now. It's like 110 degrees, 115 degrees. It's so hot right now. It's impossible to uh, do anything physical. It's annoying. I can only imagine because today. I went, I just took the dogs on a walk. Yep. And I got back. I, was I like, can't even do that right now. Holy shit. I, I was like, we got to shut all the blinds and shit in the house. To, so sunlight can't get in anymore. Yeah. I actually cannot take, uh, I cannot take my dog out for walks unless it's like really early in the morning or well yeah. after sunset. Yeah. It's, it's so dangerous uh, right now. Yeah. I do not want to put him at risk. So yeah. Nope. Well, uh, we got, we got, there's something, uh, there's an issue that we really need to talk about. <laughs> Before we get into news, okay. Um, Gamer Girl Bathwater. Oh yeah, this shit's hilarious. <laughs> okay, so you've heard of this? One hundred percent. Like, what was that nonsense? Have you seen the Instagram <sighs> video? Of <laughs> um, okay, you you would know. It's of her. I, like I see, the only thing I've seen is, a, is the pictures of the girl who's like in the plastic tub. Okay. So, that. That for, uh, first off, for the listeners, Gamer yeah, Girl Bathwater. Uh, what's the girl's name? Hold on, I've got. The I actually name. don't know. Um, I've got a link. What she selling for? Like, how, was she, how much was she selling for? Thirty dollars like, for like a little cup of it. Jesus. Um, Belle Delphine. That's insane, man. <laughs> what do you do for a living? <laughs> like, um, is, is is some like Instagram 
girl who I guess plays video games and she's selling her uh, bath water. <laughs> Here's That's the thing. pretty much it. That's pretty much the whole story. I mean, it doesn't. You don't yeah. need any more than that. But I was reading some articles and stuff, and there uh, they. Um, I think this was on the Guardian. They talked to one person who apparently on her, apparently she has a Patreon as well. And you can uh, pay like a shitload of money just to have a Skype conversation with her. Oh yeah. One of my friends does this. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah 100%. One of my friends does this. She, she does Oh, that oh, oh she does on the charging end. Okay. Okay. Say again, sir. Sorry. I thought you were saying like, like a, like a dude, you know, pays. Oh no, it's a girl. Okay. She, she does that. She like, if you subscribe or something, you get one-on-one time with her. I was telling Lisa about this. Like, Lisa couldn't believe when I was telling her. Uh-huh. Uh, you get one-on-one time, and then, like, if you are subscribed, you get, like, a certain amount of photos or some fucking random <laughs> shit. And it, dude, it's crazy. Like, the amount of people that subscribe to that shit is freaking bananas. Like, yeah. I don't have that kind of money. It's insane. Like, yeah, no, thank you. This one guy said he paid $2,500 to have a Skype conversation. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, yeah, it's crazy. Like it's freaking crazy on both ends. It's crazy that somebody would want to do that for a living, which you know, teach their own whatever you want to do. Right, but the other right. side of that is, she's providing something that people want, which is insane. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But again, they're not harming anybody other than people are getting taken advantage of, which you know they can go gamble their money away and nobody bat an eye. So. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, she, you know, she's not hurting anybody. Weird. The only thing that I hope is that she's. Doing this in a safe manner to where she's not gonna, where, where people aren't easily figuring out like where she, where lives. she is and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's always the thanks, Law and Order SVU. <laughs> <laughs> so she sold out of the first batch of bathwater like uh, really fast, Jesus. apparently. And she said she's gonna do it one more time and create a whole bunch more. I don't know if she's up in the price. Like, what if she's not. just like farting in the water? <laughs> Dude, there, that she probably could charge extra for that. Oh, God, uh, stop. These little cups that are like, they look like they hold about a half of a cup to maybe maybe a whole Jeez. measured cup. Uh, but you have to watch this video of her, yeah. like, basically advertising or, like, showing how she's doing the bathwater. Okay? Just watch this. It's, God, like, 30 Lord. seconds long. Like, there's a steam sale going on, too. Like, come on. Look at that Instagram filter. Holy shit. Ew. (laughs) Oh my god, of course. Oh yeah, that's exactly what I want. (laughs) Water. Oh, Wait, what, why is this legal? That's one of the comments. <laughs> why is it legal? She's not doing anything illegal. It's just why fucking is it gross. Legal? I think I think that's like an existential question. Like why? How is why how is this is, allowed? Why, how how has the world allowed? gotten to this point? Like in all seriousness, if she pooped in a bag and sold it, you know what I mean? Like you can't do anything, right? I guess. I don't know. I, I like it's freaking weird, but uh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm, you know, whatever. If you ever, if anybody, any of the listeners want to buy some of my bathwater, let me know. I will let you know I'm a freaking disgusting human being. So, um, I think it's hilarious that it's not just like, 
uh, what's her name? Bill Delphine's bathwater, but it's gamer girl <laughs> bathwater. Oh, yeah. Like that takes it to a whole nother level somehow for me. It's like, okay, I, part of me is like, okay, you know, you want, here, here's a, here's a hot chick. You want her bathwater? Okay, fine. But then it's like, oh, no, no, no. Not just, not just, not just hot babe bathwater, uh, gamer girl bathwater. All right. I mean, guys. I'm a gamer girl. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> so well, you're going to start selling gamer brew bathwater then, right? I'm going to call it gamer juice. <laughs> <laughs> You call it gamer juice. I'm gonna call oh. it gamer gamer bro bathwater, and we'll see who gets the most. Uh, there might be some hairs there. in there, so just prepare yourself. Oh, there's yeah. gonna be. Yeah. All right. Before we lose our last bit listener, we should probably keep going. Okay. Good. Good call. Good call. All right. On to news. Uh, did you hear about the Carbot animations thing? You know Carbot, who does uh, yeah. like the Starcraft. My buddy made that. Huh? My buddy made that and sold it to Blizzard. What are you talking about? Carbot, the company. He was he was the original creator of the StarCraft Carbot series. And then he sold it to Blizzard like six years ago. Oh. Well you heard Blizzard that they're shit. doing um a texture pack for StarCraft Remastered based on Carbot. Wow. Interesting. Here, I'm glad that here. Blizzard has their priorities in order right now. Their stock is plummeting and they have no 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 successful IPs right now. I'm glad they're doing this. I think it's cool. Yeah, are you gonna buy it? No. <laughs> Are you going to play StarCraft Remastered? Uh, probably not, but but check it it's out. Fun. Look at the... Go, like, skip, like, halfway through the video. It actually looks pretty sweet. It does look really cool. It's like if anybody... Well, probably most people aren't familiar with it. It's like uh, this guy it makes really cartoon cool. uh, StarCraft cartoons. And so for StarCraft Remastered, they're selling a texture pack where it's... It's StarCraft 1. It. it looks like a Flash game. But it's like, re- yeah, it's like really, really, really cartoony. It's the same exact game, just with uh, different graphics. It, it looks hand-drawn. That's that's probably the best way. Yeah, it looks hand-drawn. Like hand-drawn hand little, little cartoon, like, cutie uh, stuff. So anyway, yeah. there's that. Uh, Xbox Germany announced that the Final Fantasy VII remake is coming to Xbox, and then they realized that that's not true and said, sorry, it's not never true. mind. Yeah. I was going to say, I heard the opposite. I heard that it was going to be exclusive to PS4 as of right now. Yeah. That's uh, unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but yeah. You know, it could very well eventually come to uh, Xbox. Because stuff has been exclusive in the past and then ended up on other things. That's true. You're not, you're not wrong at all. Nope. TurboGrafx-16 Mini has released their uh, the full game, the full list of games that's going to be on that. Or Konami has... I, I guess, is it Konami? I think it's Konami. I don't know. Whoever owns the TurboGrafx-60 Mini, they've announced what the uh, full game list is. 50 games. I'll go through them really fast. Um, these include TurboGrafx-16 games and PC Engine games. PC Engine is the Japanese version of the TurboGrafx-16. Uh, there is a little bit of overlap um, where it's like, oh, there's two versions of this one. It's on both. But uh, I'll just I'll just go through them real fast. Alien Crush, Victory Run, Blazing Lasers, Newtopia, Dungeon Explorer, R-Type, Moto Rotor, Power Golf, East Book 1 and 2, Ninja Spirit, JJ and Jeff, Space Harrier, Military Madness, Chu Man Fu, Psychosis, Bonk's Revenge, Parasol, Stars, Kadash, New Adventure Island, Air Zonk, Newtopia 2, Soldier Blade, Lords of Thunder, Bomberman 93, and then for PC Engine, uh, The Kung Fu, Jay Seiken, Necromancer, 
Fantasy Zone, Apare, Gateball, Nectaris, Dungeon Explorer, Newtopia, PC Engine, East 1 and 2, Super Darius, Superstar Soldier, Daima Kaimura, Aldenus, Newtopia 2, Gradius Salamander, Super Momotaro Dentetsu 2, Ninja Ryukenden, uh, the Japanese version of Ninja Gaiden, uh, Star Parodier, Snatcher, Gradius 2, Cho Aniki, Akumajo, Dracula X Chino Rondo, Bomberman 94, Bomberman Panic Bomber, and Ginga Fuke Densetsu Sapphire. Oh, you read that pretty quick. All your favorites. Sure. I can go with that. And. Oh, and finally, uh, there was um, a Summer Games Done Quick that happened. I don't, oh, remember, yeah. I don't remember if this was going on yet when we recorded the last episode. I don't think it I was. I think it was about to start. Okay, it was about to start. So I, remember, I think we talked about it a little bit. I always love when those things come up. I, I, like, I usually don't watch them live that much, but I'll usually go back through and watch the VODs like weeks later. Uh-huh. They, I watched uh, a bunch of shit. <laughs> really fun. Did you, have you watched much of this one yet? Uh, yeah, I watched a decent amount of it, especially the last couple of days. Anything stand out? I, I I was out of town for some of it, so I only got to watch the first uh, few days. Great! I love watching them speedrun some of like the really lengthy RPGs. Uh-huh. Um, I watched. I think the last game they ran was Chrono Trigger, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, oh, that was the last, the last one game the they ran. Yeah, so I watched them. I watched them do like the RPG block for a while. I think they did like a Final Fantasy block. I watched a decent amount of that. I'm trying to think what else I watched. I watched a bunch of shit. A bunch of stuff I've never seen before. Two games that are like kind of low key. It was fun. Um, they yeah, I was about to say they broke their record. They raised three million dollars again for Doctors Without Borders. Yeah, it's pretty pretty nuts. It's crazy, man. It's fucking crazy that that is what is happening in today's world. Yeah, I love it. I think it's amazing. I, I, they're doing so much good for the world. It's just like what you're doing. What again? Oh, okay, right. Yeah, three million dollars. Yeah, that is really insane. Great job by them. I, I applaud them. And then uh, I have two non-classic news items that I think is worth are, are worth talking about. Netflix is coming out with a Cuphead show. Oh yeah, I heard about this. Uh, I don't remember if they've announced a date or a year or anything like that. I imagine it'll be 2020. Yeah, I don't think. But no Cuphead too. Send me details. Streamers. I am re- really looking forward to the this. sequel. It's annoying. Huh. I'm annoyed that they're doing that and haven't announced a sequel yet. I'd rather play another Cuphead game than watch a series of it. You know what? I want a Cuphead t-shirt. I'm okay with that. Cuphead was a great game. I played the shit out of that game. Really, 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 really I loved great it, game. too. I never finished it uh, for some reason, but I need to. I probably should go back. Oh, I watched them speedrun that. At, uh, speaking of games done quick, holy crap, they destroyed that game. Oh, I'm, I can only imagine. Yeah. I think so, on the hardest mode is really fun. Oh, like, is it's it? It's really, really fun. It's so challenging, yeah. Okay. And then finally, they have announced, Nintendo has announced the Nintendo Switch Lite. Oh, yeah. That's right. Um, these aren't the full details, but just a, a few key points. It is handheld only. There's no docking oh. it. It is a little Actually. bit smaller and a little bit lighter than the uh, regular Nintendo Switch. The Joy-Cons are attached to it, so you cannot take them off. I mean, it's so crazy. Like, you're describing a Game Boy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it, I, it's interesting. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. Um, there's no HD rumble, but it does have uh, gyro. And it's coming out September 20th, and it's going to be uh, selling for $199. Oh, 
Not bad. I'm curious what their motivation for this was. I know they said some stuff, but I'm like, really, the Switch is doing so well. It's a great product. It's the battery life on the Switch itself is great. The Joy-Con controllers are nice. Like, it's a great freaking product. I thought they were going to come out with like a, uh, like a collect, not a collector's edition, but like you know the the special edition or whatever, where they do like a more refined, updated version of the original Switch. Mm-hmm. That's what I was anticipating, but or the like light a new is color or something like that. I guess, but I was thinking more like newer hardware, like not newer hardware as in like a complete overhaul, but just like something updated, something to make it like a little bit better, maybe better battery life or a larger screen or a lighter model, like an actual lighter model, but the same concept, not essentially a Game Boy, but with Switch games, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting Interesting. that they are sort of using this as their new mobile device, Uh, you know, their new handheld. It's true. I didn't think about that. It's a good point. Um, but it's also kind of weird because I guess there are some, there are going to be some Switch games that you can't really play on it, you know? Why? Uh, like some cool. of them require you to just use a single Joy-Con. Ah, you're talking about like, uh, like um, Mario Party. Yeah, like, like Mario Party. And, okay. and, and, then, and then stuff like 1-2 uh, Switch, some of those mini games and they require you to use HD Rumble. And this isn't going to have that. Ooh, that's kind of a turnoff. So, uh, hmm. it's kind of, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. Cause you know, Nintendo always has their main console and a handheld and yeah, now, true. now they're both the same. So it's just going to be kind of, yeah, that's interesting. I'm, that, that actually makes me a little bit confused, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, here's the thing. If it was any other developer, I would think they're being greedy and there's something sneaky going on. But Nintendo has shown us that they are producing quality content and products. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt every time right now. Yeah, like, well, they're the only ones. I mean, they have certainly messed up in the past as far as, sure. you know, namely the Wii U. Yeah, um, I mean, as of recent, like the last three, two, three years. Yeah, they, definitely they've been killing it with a Switch. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that they, you know, I would like to think that they know what they're doing. But, we'll, you know, I guess we'll have to see. There is rumors that they are going to announce another Switch model, though, my brother was saying. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like the base model. They're going to do something to it. I don't know what, though. Okay. They're going to make Anyways. it uh, see-through and colorful. And it's going to have Gamer Girl bathwater inside of it. <laughs> oh, shit. So gross. <laughs> so gross. Uh, I'm going to order you some Gamer uh, Please Girl don't. bathwater. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about what games we've been playing. How about you go first? I'm Perfect. I actually wanted to go first. Okay, cool. sure. works so well. I just feel like the going is no no uh, extreme motivation. Um, so I want to start by to talk about this a little bit because uh, I've been doing this a lot recently. So I want to give it a little bit, not a disclaimer, but just kind of talk through it. So you obviously know this. We've been doing the podcast for a number of years now. Usually every year I play a couple games that I talk about almost annually on the podcast or at least every other year. Um, so... I get the craving to play certain games. Like Final Fantasy X is an example of a game that I probably play once a year. No reason. No, it's no different than it was the year before, unless they did another re-release, even though they've done like 10 different versions of, of Final Fantasy X. But the point is like, I, I get to a point where it's just like, I start getting that itch. I'm like, I want to play Final Fantasy X. Even though I know the story, I know the combat, I generally know the entire experience of it. It's just like, I got to play it. So there are certain games that I, that I uh, play every year and I end up usually talking about on the podcast. But this year, when I've done it so far, I've tried to take a different approach on it. I've tried to play it uh, from a different perspective and be more critical of it. 
and try to understand some of the faults of, of the games and some of the criticisms that I've heard about it. So when I talk about some of the games that I've talked about before, I'm trying to do it from a different perspective. So I'm hoping it's a little bit uh, different. And also, I think you and I have grown as podcasters since we've been doing this for a number of years to where hopefully my analysis of games is a little bit better than it was. So I'm just hoping that it's a, kind of like a better version of, of some of the old games I've played. Okay. Um, so I'm probably set. So um, I played Majora's Mask for this episode of the podcast. All right. And I have been wanting to play Majora's Mask for a good amount of time, especially after I played Ocarina of Time late last year, early this year. I don't remember what it was. Um, so I'm not going to compare the two and say like one is better than the other. At this point, they're both amazing games. I played I played Ocarina of Time within the last year, and it was it was an unbelievable game. The game is is so well paced; it's just ridiculous. There's no need to talk about it. Majora's Mask, amazing in its own regard. The one thing I will say is I'm pissed that they didn't make a third Zelda game for the N64 because it really seemed like the developers understood what the limitations were of the system and what their capabilities were at that time and executed on it, executed on it so well, which is so funny for two reasons. One, because Majora's Mask apparently was rushed. It was like a very like, not rushed, but they had a very strict timeline on it and they had to meet it. So they didn't get to do everything that they wanted to, even though the game feels really full and full of life. Like there's a lot to it that I'm just like, this is not the complete game. Like it's crazy to me that they actually had additional ideas beyond what they actually showed in the game. And the second part is, um, I'm sure you remember this, the Majora's Mask required an expansion pack for the actual hardware of the N64. You had to take this little red and black adapter and plop it down uh, in the front of it. There were a couple of the games that were required as well, uh, but it was like an expansion for the graphics card, I want to say, so you could have more detail in the game. And it's definitely noticeable. You can you can visually see the comparison. There's just a lot more detail and more 3D elements to Majora's Mask versus Ocarina of Time uh, because of because of this hardware capability, which is cool. I mean, it's just like they basically added on to the to the hardware of the console mid console to release a new game, which is like unheard of today, right? Like we don't really see that much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so Majora's Mask came out in 2000. Obviously, an N64 game. And this game is, is for those who haven't played Ocarina of Time, Ocarina of Time had, had some darker elements to it, but it's still a Zelda game. And it had, I would say, majority of it was very upbeat. You know, you get the, the terminal field type music. It's very cheery. And then there's a couple of dark parts about it that, that really make it real, especially when you become an adult um, in Ocarina of Time, because you can go from being a child to being an adult. In Majora's Mask, the undertone is much darker and much serious from the very start. And huh. it's one of the things that has always drawn me to this game. And I played it as a very young kid. I was like 10 or 11 when I first played this game. And I didn't fully grasp at the time some of the dialogue or how serious it is. But there's like some really, really serious stories that are going on throughout this uh, throughout this game. So there's like, so a couple things. So when you, when you, the first, the game first starts, um, you essentially get attacked by a skull kid. It's just like a, a general type monster, a general type creature uh, within the Zelda universe. And he attacks a uh, he attacks a mask salesman. This guy who's walking around, he's got this big ass backpack. He actually has a Mario mask on his bag too, which is pretty dope. But he Do takes a Mario one... backpack. Is a Mario mask. Oh, so he's all these masks okay. all over his backpack, oh, oh, and oh. one of them is a Mario one. <laughs> um, it's kind of dope. And uh, so this skull kid robs him. He takes he. I don't know. I don't know if they ever explain if the mask called him or if he just did something stupid and got screwed because of it. Because essentially the mask is cursed. And they explain a little bit of the backstory. It's you know one of those ancient tribe type things that was doing crazy shit. So he takes the mask. He, that's all he takes. And um, he puts the mask basically takes over him in the simplest form. And so he becomes he becomes a douche. He starts. He's really rude to his friends and he starts doing some really fucked up stuff. And then oh, you come to bitch. find out this mask is like super evil. Like it's 
unbelievably evil. And so what it's doing is it's it's calling this meteor or this moon, uh, they, they, revert, they refer to it as both, down to earth to kill everybody. That's that simple. And so the town you're in, is, it's, you have 72 hours. There's actually a countdown timer before this meteor is going to hit and kill everybody. Is it, uh, I think that's like in-game time. Um, yeah, it's about, I, I think that, I don't know how, how it actually converts. Um, I read online, somebody was saying like 72 hours is like an hour of gameplay, but I don't think that's right. Just kind of based on my, my feelings with the game, but I, I could be wrong. Okay. Um, you can slow down time a little bit. There's like a specific song you can play to slow down time to make it easier. But what I love about this game is, is that whole piece is the 72 hours. So you, you come outside and it's like, Hey, uh, the skull kid beat you up. He took your horse. Um, Let's go find him. Let's let's get the mask. Because long story short, you're helping somebody else to to get reunited with their friends, and so essentially, you come out in this town, and it's like, here you go, this is it. And you start the game as a Dooku, which is like those little wooden people, and you can't uh, you can't really do much in the first set of days. And when I say set of days, I mean one Wait, of those. Wait, Link is days. a little wooden guy. Yeah, you get turned into a Deku okay. uh, by by the Skull Kid at the beginning. Are those like and, the little things? I'm trying to remember what those are. Are those in uh, Breath of the Wild and the things that you get the seeds for? I don't, I don't know. So like they're, they're like wooden humanoids with like these these uh, cylinder. They have like a cylinder on the front of their face. I, I don't know if they they have shown many of them throughout Zelda. You can Google it to, if you want to see a picture of one. It's called Deku. D e k u, Majora's Mask. It sounds very familiar. Yeah, so you start the game, the Skull Kid curses you, he turns you into a DQ, and then um, the mask salesman run into him in town, he's like, hey, uh, I need you to get that other mask back. He's talking about Majora's Mask, he's like, and if you don't get it back, back bad shit's going to happen. So you get all this motivation, and your first set of days, and when I say set of days, I mean you get a 72-hour period, you're very restricted on what you can do, because you can't leave the town um, as a DQ, the game sort of creates it as like a, uh, what do you call it, like an intro type thing, where you're kind of learning the basic mechanics of the game. But what you, start, what you soon find out is, different things happen on different days at different times in this town. And there's all these different events that can or cannot happen depending on what you do. And what's crazy about it is usually all these sort of um, side interactions that happen are generally some sort of a side quest. And they award you with either some sort of item, sometimes money, other times a mask. And there's, there's a ton of masks. There's like 30 or 40 masks, I want to say in total. Some of them are, are kind of useless, but some of them are pretty cool and they, they have different effects to them. So there's a lot going on in this town. And as you get through your first set of days, you finally get the ability to turn into a human again. And you do so by, you basically take off, you turn the Dooku form into a mask. And anytime you basically want to turn back into Dooku, you can just put the mask back on and you revert back into that form. And you can do that with three other forms, but the two main ones are you can turn into a Zora, which is like the fish humanoid people. And then a Goron, which is like the the big beefy guys that roll, roll around. They're like kind of like rocks. Yeah, I think they actually eat rocks. I think you're actually right. I think they do eat uh, okay, rocks, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Uh, so those three forms are kind of your main main things of the game. So as you progress through them, and they have different abilities to them that help you to progress throughout the game. And it, it's it's kind of like, it, it's Metroidvania-esque because essentially as you acquire more items and more masks, you essentially the, the game becomes more and more open. So there's a decent amount of backtracking that happens. So like the Dooku form allows you to, there's these spe- specific flowers you can sort of drop into and charge up and then you shoot up in the air and you can hover for a short distance. So it allows you to get to elevation to different areas you weren't, weren't able to otherwise. The Zora form is able to swim very quickly. And on top of that can go down really deep underwater. So if there's like items or treasure chests or certain dungeons you need to get to, that becomes available once you get the Zora form. And the last one, the Goron has the ability to roll around at high speed so he can go off these ramps and 
go into areas again that you weren't otherwise able to do so. They also have some other minor special abilities to them as well, but it doesn't really get too much in the specifics. So the Dark Undertones game, now that I've kind of gotten the, the platform going, the Dark Undertones game is there's a lot of really sad shit that happens in this game. And there, there are simple things like there's a relationship that is on the verge of marriage and they're struggling and you ultimately work your way through this, this quest. And it's very interesting because the quest with them takes almost an entire set of days to do because there's certain interactions you have to do with multiple parties throughout the three days in order to complete the quest. And when you do, you get some pretty cool stuff for it. But the actual story that you get, the dialogue is very interesting and it feels very genuine. It doesn't feel like video game dialogue. It doesn't feel cringy. It's not uncomfortable. It just feels authentic and it, it's it's refreshing. It's extremely refreshing, especially for an older game. Um, there's other things like there's a robbery that happens one night that you can prevent if you're there. Um, there's, there's this guy who is... If you go outside it uh, during like early morning, right before the sun rises, there's this specific tree that if you jump on top of it, there's this guy standing up there and he's just dancing and he's just dancing with the sunrise and you can only see him with a specific item. And when you see him, he's like, dude, try to dance with me. And then you try to dance with him. He's like, you're pretty good. He's like, um, if only somebody could heal me is basically what he says. And you have this song that when you use it, it's, it's like a healing oriented song it turns things into masks. So when you want to, when you get the, the Dooku mask, you play that song and you know, you, you untransform from the, the Dooku form and turn into a mask. So you turn him into a mask hmm. and it's really sad because you, you, you kind of have some diet with some words with them. But then additionally you go inside the town and there's people that are trying to become aspiring dancers. And if you use the mask, you interact with them, you get unique dialogue, you get some fun stuff and you also get an item for it. There's also a storyline where there's a guy who doesn't know he's dead that you have to help sort of help him reveal or understand that he's dead. And it's like, there's all these really fun stories. And a lot of them have some jumping mechanics to them that can be pretty frustrating, but... Wait, jumping mechanics, you mean like platforming? Like puzzles. Yeah, platforming or puzzles. So, uh, okay. you, you know Mario 64, you know how it's kind of hard to do, to do certain jumps. And once you get acclimated with it, you can do some pretty cool stuff. And yeah. there's every, every time I play Mario 64, I'm like, oh shit, that's how you do that jump. I never knew that. Zelda, the, the Zelda for the Zen 64 for me are kind of that. You have the basic moves. You can strafe left. You can strafe right. You can jump and do the, the forward slash. But then there's some really clutch shit you can do with all your different with, with your different buttons. I mean, like you could do a spin slash without charging. I didn't know you could do that in, in the N64 versions. Oh, yeah. um, there's certain things you can do with your shield that I didn't know. You can like block at a certain direction to deflect mobs a certain direction. There's like some really intricate stuff you can do with this game. And it's it's been really fun to to experience it and learn it throughout it and i haven't really gotten too frustrated this time i remember a decent amount of what i'm doing and where i'm going i don't remember how to get all the minor masks i remember how to get certain ones uh which i've been doing along the way and i've, I've been progressing pretty damn well um one of the things i've really been enjoying is once you clear the, the there's four key dungeons i forgot to mention this so there's four key dungeons you have to clear and this is also part of the the, the serious undertone of this game is at the end of 72 hours this meteor with this big ass scary looking face let me show this to you this meteor, like randomly at certain times, will just shake. It just shakes the entire world because it's getting closer and closer. And this is what it looks like. And so, what you find out is you need to clear these four key dungeons. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, and you need to clear these four key dungeons. And then, when you do so, uh, these spirits will come help you. So after you do it, uh, you clear all four of them, and then you play this song. They come out of the woods and they hold up the meteor. They literally grab it and hold it. And then you go up inside and you fight Majora uh, for the final fight. And so it's like this really just, I keep saying this, but it's, it's, it's got a very dark kind of serious undertone. And it was mm -hmm. very interesting for the time. It, it was even now, like even now the dialogue I, I still think is, is 
pretty damn good for the most part. There's some stuff that's a little bit weird, uh, but generally it's it's pretty damn good. And what's crazy too is like if you'd fail to meet the timer in 72 hours, this thing literally just crashes on the city and you watch Link just get engulfed in flames. This is game over? Yeah, it's just game over. And you respawn it at the beginning of the 72 hours with all your items gone. Damn. And that's that's one of the things that, that people turned a lot of people off this game is at the end of 72 hours, you lose all of your temporary items. You don't lose your masks. You don't lose your hearts, your bottles, um, certain items. But you lose like any bombs you had. You lose all your rupees, which you can store them in a bank so you can get them back. The bank still holds your, your amount. Uh, but like no bosses are beaten. So the last one you go to do all four bosses. So essentially you'll clear all four dungeons. And then once you do that, you'll reset the time. Uh, so like, let's say, sorry, let me, so in one set of days, you clear the first dungeon, you reset time, second set of days, you clear the second and so on and so forth. And then after you've done all four of them once, then you'll do it in one set of days because you can just go straight to the final boss of each dungeon because you, you have the ability to teleport there. So then you kill all four bosses and then you can go up inside the, the moon or the meteor to fight Majora. And Majora is fucking weird and creepy and just eerie. It's this really demented mask. So it's, it's this heart-shaped mask um, and essentially the, the, one of his forms is he's just this humanoid, right? Uh, generally he's just a humanoid during the entire thing, but he, he starts off with these tentacles. So the mask just has tentacles and they're trying to destroy you. You end up killing them and it's just like, whatever you're like, okay, this is the beginning, but then he grows a head and arms and he turns into like this infantile stage. He has this very high pitched voice. The music is like these odd sound effects of all these different types <laughs> of like rattlers, like, like baby rattles going. Wow. And he has this really kind of eerie voice. And when you hit him, he squeals like a child. It's so weird. And it, it, it just, it just like adds onto this pile of already just kind of this demented kind of game. And it's like when you, and then when you finally get through it, I, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't done it. Cause I, I just want to entice people to play it. The last part of Majora is even more fucking bizarre, but it's also really good because they explain a little bit more uh -huh. and you get to see a little bit more of it. And it's like, this is a Zelda game. This is like the kind of game you're like, I want to do an action adventure game with puzzles. Here you go. But then you find out that this story is actually pretty interesting and you ultimately want to beat it because you, you kind of want to save the world, right? Like you, you, you start to build bonds with all these different people within the town and outside the town even. Like there's, there's an event outside town when you first get Epona, the horse, when you finally find her again. You have to protect this farm from aliens because they're going to abduct all the cows. Huh. What? What? <laughs> what? And that's in a Zelda game. So it's like, it, there's wow. just like all these random events that happen that you that you slowly just start to walk into. Uh, so over time, you're like, oh, okay, at 2 a.m. on day one, I need to go protect the farm from the aliens to get to protect the, so I get the horse. Then you get the horse and it's like, oh, now I need to race these two brothers with the horse. Okay, well, these brothers are scumbags and they're doing something something sketch. I'm going to monitor them. So I'm going to wait for the wait for nighttime and see what they're up to. Oh, they're doing some shady shit. I should probably follow that lead. And it's just like, Oh yeah, I forgot. I'm supposed to be doing the main quest of saving. <laughs> it's it's a really excellent game. The sound effects are as good as always. The music is spot on. I mean, Zelda games historically have always had amazing music. This is another one. This is another one of those games that has a very amazing soundtrack. The the two N64 games for me, they did a an excellent job of setting the tone of what you're doing. So when you first enter out into Termina Field, uh, you get this very upbeat music. And it, it sort of says like, it, it, to me, it says, your journey starting, let's go. It's like, it's exciting, right? It's kind of, it, it's one of those things that's getting you amped to get going. And then when you start getting into some of the more dark areas, like I just got into, I, I've cleared three of the dungeons. I have one left. Uh, and when you get into this area, there's this house that has 
a, it's sort of like a music device on top of it. And the music is so eerie. It's so creepy. And what you find out is like, there's these mummies that are everywhere. And I'm sure anybody who's played any of the, the Zelda games has seen these mummies before. But if they lock eye contact with you, you hear a female screech, like scream, and then you can't move. And he gets, he starts walking oh, at you. And if he reaches you, he latches onto you and drains your health over and over and over until you finally shake him. And then if you look at him again, guess what he does? You hear a woman screech, you get stunned, and then he jumps on top of you again. And it's brutal. And I, there, there's a side story that I don't remember exactly because I haven't, I haven't done this part yet. But I just remember when you get into the music box, music box house, there's a little girl and she's talking about her father and she, her father left and she was like trying to figure out where he was. Or something along those lines, she's like looking for him <clears throat> and she's like, hey, can you help clear all the mummies that are around the house? So, Like outside the house. So you do it and then you go downstairs and you find out that her dad got infected with whatever this mummy thing is and he's like partially a mummy in the basement and it's like this really heart-wrenching scene because you're going to kill him and then she's like, no, don't hurt my dad. It's like, what the fuck? Like Zelda, you can't do this. Like, right, what is right. this? like this is not the kind of game that I expect this from. And, and it's just like, it's just one more thing on top of another thing of this game. It's just I, I love this game. I play this game countless times and every time it's an enjoyable experience. Every time I learn something new, I figured out a new mechanic. I learned a new mechanic this time that I didn't know about. There's a, there's an elevation bug that I, I didn't know existed. So if you're in, if you're in link form, he's more buoyant than the Zora form. So he floats higher on the water. So if you're like, there's like a ledge you can't quite reach in your human form. If you hug it in human form and then turn into the Zora form, he starts higher up than he normally is because it's based on link center of gravity. I know that sounds fucking insane. <laughs> so he's, he's a little bit taller than he normally is. So when you morph into the Zora form, if there's a cliff there, he'll just grab it and climb up. And it saves you a lot of, uh, a lot of jumping puzzles that I ended up finding out. Because normally after you, you shift into Zora form, he falls a little bit to make up, to, to basically get back to the center. Okay. So if you if you can glitch that out, it can help you to skip certain things. And I was I accidentally uh, okay. figured out. Like, Holy shit, this is really nice, and it's been extremely helpful for a bunch of the dungeons. Um, one last thing. So one of the things I spent a lot of time doing this time was after you clear the the four key dungeons or the three uh, key dungeons, you can go back in and you have to collect. There's these fairies hidden throughout the dungeons, so it allows you to redo the dungeons, but you have to be much more you have to scan the place really thoroughly to find these fairies. And when you collect them all, usually you're awarded with something pretty cool, like an added, uh, a, a, an extension to your energy bar. Uh, one of the times was, I, I don't remember what the first one was. The one I got recently was I take half damage from, from now on. So anything that would hit me for a heart hits me for half a heart. If something was going to be for half a heart, then a quarter heart, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been really cool. I'm invulnerable at this point because I have a bunch of bunch of health. But it was just cool to go back and, and do these things after I'd cleared the dungeon because it was like, oh, I forgot about this. And then to actually find them. Some of them were really janky. Like I had to dig deep and think like, okay, where haven't I looked? Okay, I've looked there. Okay, where haven't I looked? I've looked everywhere. Where is it? And I'm like, I'm missing something. So I like started doing the dungeons backwards and just trying all these different camera angles to find them and trying some really bizarre mechanics that ultimately... Uh, I found them. I found the the first three. I'm on the fourth dungeon now, so I'll do it after I clear it. But yeah, it's been a really enjoyable experience. I've I don't know how many hours I'm in. Probably I would say at least 15 to 20 hours now. I'm probably into this so far. Um, I'll probably be done another five or 10 hours at most. I want to collect a certain number of masks, but I'm not going to collect everything because there are certain masks that just are a lot of work, and I don't remember um, how to get them. And if you do collect all the masks you get this super duper mask that makes the last boss really easy. And that's, that's what the whole goal is for collecting all the masks. Do you ever get 
like what were you talking about some of the backtracking and looking for stuff in dungeons you've already been in does that ever get annoying to you yeah oh yeah there were certain ones i was pretty annoyed about when i finally found it uh-huh um but generally for the most part they weren't too bad the first dungeon there was like 30 i want to say so they were pretty obvious the next one i think there was like 20 or 15 and that was a little bit more challenging and then uh the most recent one i did there was only 15 and it was super challenging to find the last few this is the the mask dealer this is from the the new one they re- they re-released for 3ds there's the mario mask i was talking about oh so the 3ds one is like is it updated in some way uh i just know the graphics i don't know if they updated anything else but um so the graphics are different yeah 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 for sure they're updated completely i haven't played it. I, I actually want to i may do it at some point um just to do a like a, a discussion for a comparison um, but the N64 one, I, I love the graphics. I love N64 graphics. They're, they're just so, <laughs> they're what I want. They're like what I want. They, 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 they have enough detail to where I know what's going on, but it allows my mind to be creative with the rest of it and to sure, round yeah. off some of the edges of it. So I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if a 3DS would do much for me. I guess I have to play it. Wow. It's an excellent game. A very, very fun game. I, I will say, um, playing this as a child was very difficult. I think that's partially because I didn't read enough of the dialogue. They tell you exactly where to go, right? Um, <laughs> so I was a little disappointed with myself because I was like, man, I remember this being really, really challenging. Um, but most of it was like, you need to do this. And it's like bolded in letters and shit. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. That's my, my daughter. Whenever she's playing a game, anytime like some sort of message pops up, she just instantly hits okay. <laughs> like you got to read that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I've gotten better about that throughout the years for sure. Um, <laughs> certain games, not so much, but yeah. Well, damn! It sounds like uh, you're really into this game. I am. I, I will. I will play this game a lot. This this will probably be the last time I play it for a while, though. Uh, mm-hmm. I've done a pretty extensive playthrough so far. I don't think I'll play it again for a while, but uh, this is an amazing game. If anybody has played Ocarina of Time and liked it, I highly recommend this. Th- these games are so, the the feeling of playing either one of them is so transferable and they both have the same feeling for me. So, Well, I don't, I don't know that I will end up playing it just because I got so much other stuff that I want to play, but sure. you've, def- you've definitely made me very interested in it. Good. I'm glad. It's a, you, it's a fantastic game. You've made me wish that I had the time to play it and not other <laughs> stuff that I wanted to play instead. <laughs> I got you. Well, okay then. Let's go on to, uh, I guess we'll talk about my games. If that's all you got. You, is that all you had? Yep. All right. Um, I've got two. The first one I talked about uh, a little bit. Or I think I actually, I don't even think I really talked about it. I just mentioned that I've been playing it. That is Sigil which is the new uh, mega wide for Doom, the original Doom. So basically a, uh, a Doom wide is a, uh, I don't even know if it's called mega wide. I may have just made that term up myself. Regardless, a wide for Doom is, is basically a, a collection of levels, of, of like custom made levels. And John Romero, one of the original creators of Doom, just oh, yeah. a couple months ago released uh, this new... Uh, Doom Wad called Sigil. And uh, it's kind of cool because obviously he's one of the original creators, as I said. So uh, it's neat that he's kind of gone back and created his own custom levels for it. I also just happened. Well, no, I'm sorry. I say it just happened to. I believe I played it knowing that this was coming up. Uh, but I, So I did play Doom for the podcast a few months ago as well. Really loved it. So I was excited to play this. And uh, so I finished it and it is 
really, really good. It's more or less just a little bit wow. better version of Doom. Um, it's got all the, I mean, it's, you, you launch it and it's very, very, very obviously a, a Doom game. There's nothing like, it's not, you know, it's, there's nothing drastically different about it. It's just Doom with, uh, cool level design. It's a little bit more challenging. Um, and there's not really a whole lot different from, uh, the original Doom besides that. Still super fast paced or, you know, still pretty fast paced, just like the original Doom was. It's fun killing demons. It's a little bit challenging. The The art and the level design is all really cool. Um, like I said, it is a little bit harder than the original Doom. So the original Doom was originally, originally, I believe three episodes. And then about a year later, they released, uh, I, I believe it was called the Ultimate Doom, which had a fourth episode that was much more difficult than the, uh, than the, th- than the three episodes that came before it. And I and each episode is like I don't know five or six levels or maybe maybe eight something like that. Um, and this is more along the lines of the final Ultimate Doom episode. These are more difficult than the first, than the very very first uh, parts of Doom that that were re- released back in whenever the whenever Doom originally came out. Um, so it's a little bit harder, but it's still really it's not like impossible by any means. It's just kind of a different level of challenge. Uh, like I said, there's more variety in the level design. It's kind of like they, they did a lot. There's a lot more dynamic, different things going on. There's a little bit of platforming, but not to where it gets annoying. Um, there's a lot more like kind of, you have to figure out what to do, but, but not to this, to the extent that it gets too puzzly. And again, it never really got boring for me. There is still very, very heavy use of the shotgun primarily. So that was one of my uh, few complaints of the original Doom is that you have six or seven weapons and they're all really cool, but 99% of the time you're using the shotgun because there's you, you rarely find ammo for the other stuff. Uh, that is still the case in this one. You're going to use be using the shotgun most of the time. Uh Aside from that, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. You So you have to use a program called GZ Doom to launch it. And that's what you use to launch any uh, Doom wad. One thing I did, and this isn't the fault of Sigil. This is just kind of one of the technical things of getting GZ Doom working right. I did have a little bit of difficulty getting the lighting settings just right. There were some times where I would be like in a dark area. And it's not supposed to be perfectly dark, but... I literally could not see anything. So Jeez. I had to kind of mess with the settings a lot. And I finally got it to where I could, I could see stuff, you know, at least somewhat uh, when it was dark. And uh, a lot of that came down to the contrast settings. If you have those too high, I learned then it's basically dark stuff is just black. So I had to lower that a little bit and fiddle around with the rest of it. And I finally got it working, but that was a little bit, uh, that just took a little bit of messing with. Uh, as I have mentioned before, one other interesting thing about uh, Sigil is that John Romero uh, was able to get uh, Buckethead's music for the soundtrack. And I'm a big Bucket fan, Buckethead fan, as I've said. It is, let's see, the soundtrack, I believe, is uh, eight songs or ten or eleven or something like that. Let me see. I've got it here. It is. Well, I said I had it here. Here we go. There's eleven tracks. 
Um, ten of them were actually they're they're tracks that have already been released. Like okay. they were on other CDs of his. And uh, so John Romero, you know, somehow got in touch with him and asked him if he could use uh, these tracks. And Buckethead said yes, but I would also like to write one new one for the song. So it's eleven. Ten of them are old. One of them is new. The new one is called Romero One Mind Any Weapon. And uh, the soundtrack that's is. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that's and also that is definitely the best track of the whole uh, of the whole soundtrack. Really? Yeah, it is. It's it's wow. it's the it's like when it, when you start when you first start playing, that's the first one that comes up. And the first time I heard that, it just made me want to like murder demons. It is such a badass song. It sounds so cool uh, and it fits the game perfectly. I will say. Like one or two of the songs, I was kind of like, this doesn't really necessarily fit a Doom game. They're like a little bit more, a little slower and more atmospheric, where I feel like that's not really what, what Doom is. Yeah, Doom you know? is like high paced, right. in your face. Exactly. Yeah. In your face is, is exactly how I would describe it. Um, but, and that's not a, a fault of the of the music itself. Sure. No, it's yeah. just, that's, it was an odd decision to put, you know, this one or two in. But, all the rest of them, they're, they go with the game really, really well, particularly this new one. And uh, it's really fun playing it to this music. Now, this music, you only get the soundtrack if you bought Sigil. Sigil is available for free. You can download it right now and play it 100% free, but it doesn't come with a soundtrack. So if you haven't bought it, I don't know if you can... I know, I know you cannot order the physical copy anymore, which is... I, I, bought, I actually bought the physical copy... You may be able, and I bet you probably can still purchase like the digital version of it, sure. and that and that will have the uh, soundtrack. But if you use the free version, that that does not have the uh, the Buckethead soundtrack. Uh, so Sigil, I I recommend it if you're if you like Doom. This is kind of more of that, and it's super cool. Most people like Doom Two better than Doom One, correct? I believe so. Um, I haven't played Doom Two. Oh, really? Since, okay. I was gonna well, say, can you rank the three? But I'm I've right. I've played it, but not since it came out. Gotcha. But I believe you're correct. I I think it's just kind of classic situation where it's like, yeah, this is just everything Doom, but it's all done better. And it's, I think that's the reviews I've heard from people actually. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I do hope to play it. Um, I think I will at some point as well. Yeah, for you. the podcast. Uh, but yes, I, I, you're probably right about that. So there's Sigil. I recommend it. The other game I've been playing, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Chocobo's Dungeon 2. You finally played it. <laughs> yep. I finally played it. You've talked about it enough, and every time you talk about it, it sounded so fantastic. So, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to finally do it. And guess what? So playing a roguelike? roguelike? Let's, it's not really, it's not truly a roguelike. Eh, kind of is, I guess. But yeah. It is not a roguelike, but you're right. It is very heavily influenced um, yeah. by roguelikes. So it is a turn-based dungeon crawler RPG. That's a good way to put it. Uh, but it does have a strong roguelike influence. So what you're doing... Yeah, not as punishing. <laughs> not as punishing. What you're, what you're doing... And you've talked about the game uh, you know, several times, so I won't spend too much time on the details, but... Quick overview. You're in dungeons. You play as a chocobo. You're walking around killing bad guys. Um, again, it is turn-based. So as long as you're sitting still, nothing is nothing is happening at all. When you move, everybody else moves. When you attack, everybody... You know, when you do any sort of action, 
then everybody, all of the uh, AI characters, all of the bad guys are also allowed to do an action. But if you're sitting still, then the game is sitting still. Um, you're going around these dungeons from floor to floor, killing bad guys. You're finding a whole, whole, whole bunch of items on the way. Many of them will be unidentified. So um, this is particularly crucial when you come across a potion or <laughs> a uh, or a card, which is more or less like a, a scroll. You yeah. can oh, that's true. You can read this. You can read the card. But if, it, if you don't know what it is, then you don't know what's going to happen. Same with the potion. And once you find... So, like, the potions are... Uh, and and th- these are... This is this kind of unidentified nature of the items is probably the biggest thing that the uh, that the game takes from, from roguelikes. Uh, classic ones, particularly like NetHack and, and, of course, Rogue. So you might find a, uh, a potion and it might be... It might say, uh, like, the name of it will be, uh, like, Smelly Potion or something like that. Yeah. And you don't know what it does. So there are, I, I guess, just two ways to uh, to find out what it does. You can use a a, a uh, an identify card, which again is just like a scroll. You it's a it's a one time use item that will identify uh, any any other item that you choose in your inventory, or you can just use it and see what happens. And once you use it and see what happens, then from then on, anytime you pick up the smelly potion, it'll be called whatever the real potion is. So it'll be right. called high you know, potion, potion, yeah, high potion, antidote. health potion, whatever, uh, you know, high drops. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is. Um, unless you also, unless you eventually take a potion that is, uh, uh, amnesia, yeah. which is super annoying because it makes you forget every single thing. So if you take amnesia, everything in your bags, <laughs> okay. yeah, if you take amnesia, then it'll no longer identify things that you, that you had previously identified and it'll go back to be, uh, to be smelly potion and, and same for any other type of object. Usually it's like, it, it shuffles them too. So your, your smelly potion could turn into like a stout tonic or something. Oh, does it really? Like, I didn't know that. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's so frustrating sometimes. You're like, oh, I know what the stout potions are, and you're like, wait, no, that's not. Oh shit, that's oh, what that's so. Oh, I did not even realize that. That's yeah. that's that's oh, so yeah. annoying. I really that was one that was one thing that I didn't really like. Like, I don't know if I'm necessarily saying it wasn't a good thing to do, but for me personally, I'm like, no, 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 no. no. Once I identify something, you gotta just let it stay there. Um, but 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 I guess I can see why they're doing that because this game is meant to be. I guess a little bit longer per playthrough than than a roguelike. Mm-hmm. So so that's why yeah, they introduced more, that. There. It's got more RPG elements in that regard. Like you're you're progressing through the game, right? You're progressing through the game, and it's expected that you're going to be playing. You know, you're not just going to die and start over. Yeah, you're you're going to be playing the same character instead of dying and starting over. It's kind of like you're just losing all your stuff and and starting over. Um, but you're not even starting over because you're still leveled up. So. Uh, another thing about identified stuff is you might get an item that's a a weapon or an armor, but it may be cursed. And if you don't haven't identified it and you put it on, then it might be an armor that that makes uh, if it's a cursed armor, it might make enemies do more damage to you when they hit you. Uh, so it, cursed sticks huh? to you too. You can't you, unequip it. Right, exactly. You can't take it off until you find something. Uh, I forget if it's a potion or a card. I think it's a card that will basically uh, remove the curse and then, and then you can finally take it off. So that's another thing you do have a very limited inventory compared to the number of items that you'll find. And you can find, um, there are tags as well, 
which um, some of them... So there's a few different kinds of tags. Some of them allow you to save when you go from one level to the next. Some of them allow you to teleport out of the dungeon. So like if you're kind of like in a really bad spot, you're like, oh shit, I need to get out of here so I can take all my stuff with me and save and then start over. You can use that because if you die, then you lose everything and you start back out of the dungeon. The only thing that you keep is, is your own level. Uh, and your spell levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your spell levels. Oh, and I guess you also keep the uh, like the feathers that you found, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Um, which, what I've only found a few, by the way. You can probably do a better job than me. Can you explain what the uh, what the feathers are? Yeah, so there's a couple things. So one of the things you also get, so in addition to the tags, the scrolls, the potions, the armor, the weapons, you also get spell books. And the spell books can be things like blizzard, fire, thunder, arrow, uh, cantrips. There's also a, a bunch of different kinds. And every time you use them, each one of those spells has its own unique level. So your fire spell may be level five, your blizzard spell three, your thunder spell one, because you haven't used thunder much. Every time you use one of those spells, you get experience towards that spell leveling up. And as it levels, it gets stronger, does more damage. And in certain cases, actually expands to allow you to do multiple uh, different types of spells with it. On top of that, um, there, when, you, there, when you use certain items enough, they when they break so like if you take a piece of armor and you upgrade it you just like upgrade it upgrade it upgrade it when it finally breaks it drops a feather and when you pick the feather up it does a permanent enhancement to your character and the feathers can be amazing to dog shit to just pointless and in most cases i didn't go for feathers i just kept my armor healthy enough to where i could wear it because some of the feathers are great most of the time they're really not like they can do things like alter your spells to make them more effective in different ways or give you uh, like the cantrips gain additional options when you cast it. Uh, but generally speaking, they're kind of like, they're okay. Not amazing, but not terrible. I think all of the ones I got um, it, during the time that I spent on this game, I only ended up finding two feathers and I got them from, uh, I think from doing things for townspeople. Uh, yeah. You do get a couple on the main quest. I do remember. Yeah. Um, like one of the uh, the little the little, <laughs> the little mage guy. There's a little house with the little oh, yeah, black the mages, and if you there, if you bring them uh, essence, then they'll then they'll give you that. Uh, Did you notice their names? I don't think so. The four wizards. There are these four wizards in the hut. They're named Wedge, Jesse, Biggs, and something. I mean, it's just three. Oh, Biggs, really? Wedge, Jesse, and Biggs are like very common names, like Sid. Which Sid is also in this game, yeah. Well, they, Wedge they, and oh, Biggs are both names from uh, from Star Wars. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. They're also uh, I don't know, I don't know if that's if it's supposed to be from that or if it's just like a Final Fantasy because they were in seven as well. Okay. Oh, okay. Right, I didn't know that. Um. Well, anyways, uh, so they'll give you stuff, and yeah, the the what I got the the two that I got were both kind of augments to a spell. So when you when you cast, uh, I got one for. The uh, the earth spell and one for, I don't remember the other one, maybe lightning. And basically yeah. they, they let them do um, AOE stuff as opposed to just only targeting one character. Um, and so you got all this stuff. Back to what I was saying about the tags. So there's some tags that'll do this and that. Um, one of the tags that you get will expand your inventory. That's the most crucial one. So, and that's permanent. So anytime you get a tag, you basically use it right away so you can carry more stuff. Because you'll, once you get not even that far into the game, then you're constantly having to be like, oh crap, now I've got too much stuff. Am I going to leave this or drop this or just go ahead and use something so I can pick this up? You're, you also... Did, uh, did you steal any of them? 
Huh? The carry tags. Do you see how much they cost? No. They're ten thousand gil, which is like an obscene amount of money in that game. Yeah. You found that you found the shops in the dungeon, right? Yeah, I came across some shops. Yeah. So what you can do is. If you figure out where the exit is, you can go into the shop and you can like dig a hole to the to the floor, and then you grab the carry tag and run. And he's like, "Are you gonna, you're going to pay for that?" No. And he's like, "I see." And then as soon as you take another step, he summons clones of himself. And if they hit you, you die in one hit. So you have to go down. You have to go to the next floor. And if you do so, you keep whatever you robbed from him. <laughs> nice. I did that countless times in my last playthrough. To get, I got so many carry tags doing that. Oh, did you? Okay, that's uh-huh. probably. I- I never really thought to do that, but yeah, that would have been a good idea. Yeah. Um, so you do level up as you progress through the game. So so just like most RPGs, as you're killing monsters and bad guys, eventually you gain levels and you just get stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, also, mob mobs. So every so every dungeon is like ten to twenty levels, right? Ten to twenty floors, something like that, roughly. Um. That yeah, right? that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. They, they get longer the deeper you go. Okay. Um, so there may be some that are longer than that. Because I didn't get super far. But uh, mo- mobs do spawn in a level. But you can't just farm them forever. Because eventually... Um, what is it that happens if you stay in a level for too long? Like something like a really powerful mob starts coming after you. Or something like that, right? Uh, not that I know of. If you... Because you have endurance. And if you run out of endurance... Oh, just, maybe that was it. I don't know what, what why I thought that. Uh, well, mobs, so if mobs kill each other, which can happen, they level up. And if mobs level up, they are unstoppable. Oh, yeah, They're yeah. so powerful. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, maybe I just made that part up. But you're right. I think energy is the thing that comes across that. And nuts are what you have to eat to replenish your energy. And just like everything else, you have to... There's like, you know, uh, bitter nut, sweet nut, and all those types of nuts. And some of them will give you energy. Some of them will like maybe poison you or even take away energy or stuff like, or, you know, maybe take away, give you energy, but take away health. So, uh, that's another thing oh, that yeah. you have to be, uh, be careful of. Um, sometimes you do have companions of different sorts. Sometimes you have a guy that just kind of does a lot of damage. Sometimes you have this girl who, uh, who heals you. So that's in play some of the time, not always. Uh, it kind of just depends on where you are in the game. Uh, also, your weapons and armor do degrade over time, so you have oh, to yeah, be careful right. about that. And also, and there are cards that you can get that will uh, that will repair them. Now, unlike um, roguelikes, unlike you know, like true roguelike games, you can uh, return to town to do whatever. You can teleport out. Um, or if you get killed, it's not game over. You just go back to town, but you do lose all of your stuff, but you do keep your level. Also, unlike roguelikes, you, uh, your progress is saved on death. Um, so it's still very punishing, but again, not game over. And there are uh, memory scrolls, which you can... Well, I guess this isn't really necessarily unlike a roguelike. But, uh, so there are memory scrolls, which is where you can save in the midst of a dungeon. If you don't have a memory scroll, then you can't save until either you die or finish a dungeon or teleport out of a dungeon and then save. Cause you can save in town anytime. <laughs> um, most roguelikes, there's no escaping to go back to town. It's just like you're in here until you either win or die. Um, this game, you cannot save in the middle of a dungeon unless you have a memory scroll, which I see why they did that. But that was one thing that kind of made the game a little bit annoying for me. 
because I might be playing for like 45 minutes and not come across a memory scroll. It's like, well, shit, I got to just leave this paused for a day or, you know, or just die and go back out yeah. and save or something. Uh, so that's a little bit annoying. All of these things are good, but there are a few reasons I didn't really like Chocobo's Dungeon 2 uh, as much as I like true roguelike games. Uh, for me, the difficulty in this game feels like leveling is kind of the most important thing to do. Whereas in the roguelikes that I enjoy the most, strategy is more important than leveling. Um, it's more based on how are you going to deal with this, this bad guy and that bad guy and not just, you know, how powerful are you? It's kind of, you have to think more about sure. it as opposed to grinding. <clears throat> also, I felt like there was not a great variety of bad guys. There are some bad guys like that are a little bit different. Like there are the little guys that sit there and they kind of dig or in like set off bombs or something. It's kind of weird, but they, they sit there and kind of do something. And then an explosion will happen every now and then. Um, and then there are some of course that are like more powerful than others. And some that can float and go across uh, gaps, whereas others cannot. There are some that will do that can cast magic, which is essentially just them doing a ranged attack, whereas others can only do melee. But that was, as far as I got, that was about the extent of the variety. Um, whereas, again, in the in the roguelikes that I like playing a lot, there are there's a great variety in the different amount of bad guys that there are, um, and it's not just them getting tougher by being more powerful. It's sure. it's, it's them getting tougher by they are in part getting more powerful, but you also, the bad guys, as you progress, uh, get tougher by doing different things. So, uh, for me, this, even though this game borrows very, very, very heavily from roguelikes, it, it didn't maintain that same level of interest where it's like, Oh, there's all these different things that I got to think about. Again, it's more of an RPG than a strategy based, uh, roguelike, which, uh, for me, I prefer the roguelike end of that. It's a cool game. That. Yeah, it's a cool game. I liked it for sure. I didn't love it. Uh, I would say if it sounds like, based on our description, a game that you'd like, you probably will like it. If you're like me and you're super picky about this kind of stuff, then maybe just stick to uh, to classical, to classic roguelikes that don't have like such a... Well, I guess most roguelikes are RPGs, so I won't say that aren't RPGs, but uh, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, there you have it. Chocobo's Dungeon 2. I didn't like it as much as I thought I would based on your descriptions, but I, but I, but I definitely did enjoy it. Can't say it's a bad game at all. I really did like it. It's just not for me. If, if I'm going to play something like this, I'm just going to go back to a roguelike. I'm glad I can sell sell you on things that you won't like. (laughs) Like a gamer bro bathwater. Oh God. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's talk about top five, top fives, okay? All right, Jay. Top, um, yeah. 
I only have four. I cannot oh. find a fifth one that I'm comfortable talking about. Okay. Just so you're aware. That's cool. I'll do five, um, and then we'll jump into four. Perfect. I just wanted you to be aware. I try to come. I I was trying to force things, but I was like, nah, that's just not good. Yeah, I hear you. I, yeah, I don't want to. Uh, I'm actually very curious where where you went with this because, like, I did a decent amount of looking around and I couldn't find a whole lot beyond what I found. So you know I'm very what? Curious where you're at. I'm a little bit. Uh, my fifth one is going to be slightly forced as well, actually. Okay. <clears throat> so I'll just go ahead and and four and and four. I will uh, force a number five. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with Tetris. Right, five. Okay, I didn't realize that was a lot of be on the list. So okay, that's not <laughs> I, on my list. I don't really uh, even like Tetris that much, but out of Tetris like games, it's the best one that I could think of for my fifth uh, favorite. So there you go. Mine is it's definitely funny, it would probably be my number one. It's such a fun game. It's like no, it's not. Yeah, anyways, I think of all okay. I like playing Tetris. <laughs> I, I get in the groove of it every once in a while. All right, so uh, number. F- oh, we'll go well, number my fifth forced one was going to be Intelligent Cube, which is kind of, it's a pretty big reach, but that sounds uh, like a reach from what I've seen. Have you yeah. played? Okay, then I just won't go there. Then okay, I think go that's ahead. a reach. Yeah. Um. So I guess so. Let's actually back up just a little bit. By Tetris-like games, we didn't really have much of a definition, but when I think of a Tetris-like game, I think of just any game where you are matching kind of abstract objects like jewels or shapes or anything like that, matching them or lining them up to make them disappear or get points or something like that. That's kind of, that's very broad, but that's kind of what I'm going with. I'm, I'm purposefully not trying to keep it too restrictive. So like a match three game, that's fine. That counts as a Tetris-like game. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything kind of like that. So uh, that was your, that would have been your number five. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll go on to number four now. I think this is where it starts getting vaguely respectable, at least. I'm going to go with uh, with Bust a Move. This is where you shoot the... Um, you've probably seen this on uh, Neo Geo machines, like arcade machines. It's like little bubbles that are at the top of the screen and you're shooting another bubble up at them. It's basically kind of reverse Tetris. Instead of the, the stuff falling down, you're shooting them up to try to get matches and try to get stuff to disappear. Also known as Puzzle Bobble, by the way. And it, yes, also known as Puzzle Bobble. Yes, because it uses the little bubble bobble of dinosaurs. There's no particular reason why I know that, but, you know. Okay. All right, number four for you? Uh, number four for me is Columns, and I need to Google this again because I don't remember which game this was. Which one was this? Sorry. I don't know you don't remember what the game is? I still remember what it looks like because these are all kind of similar games. Oh, this game. Um, this was <laughs> kind of what we were talking about. This is a, a game where you had to match jewels or yeah, kind of jewels. The thing that I remember most about this game, I don't remember what it was a part of or if it was like a uh, a demo disc, but there was a multiplayer version that I spent a lot of time doing. I mean, I think it was PlayStation 1 or maybe maybe Sega. No, I think it was Sega Genesis actually that I played it on. But uh, the multiplayer is really fun because it was just, you know, obviously it was, it was a newer version of a, a Tetris-like game that you could play against people. Um, when you didn't know what else to play at the time, so it was a fun game. You just had to align gems. I think you had, I think it was three in order to uh, have them disappear, and there were a bunch of the gems were pretty visually cool looking. So this was one of the games that I played on the last episode that made us think of this. Uh, top oh, five. really? Oh, that's yeah. funny. Uh, and I did not like it whatsoever. <laughs> really? Oh man, that makes me sad because if I played it again, I don't. I have no idea how I would feel about it now, but I, I play it a decent amount. 
I mean, keep in mind, I don't like Tetris either, so that might not mean... Oh, much. yeah, I keep forgetting you don't, you don't like good games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number three is Snood. Have you ever played this? No, I didn't even see this. Oh, man, I think this was a like a free game. How do you spell it? S-N-O-O-D. Uh, and oh, it's kind of like... It's it's exactly like Bust a Move, except they're little yeah. faces that you're shooting and not just blobs. But I used to play this. Um, Is that a classic game? I haven't heard of this. It came out in 1996 originally. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah, it says uh, it was released for Mac OS 1996 as shareware. So I, I believe, I don't really remember. I'm pretty sure I just played the free version because I remember playing this in college quite a bit. But I'm very certain I never bought it. <laughs> um. Again, it's just like Bust a Move. There's a lot of uh, little faces at the top of the screen, and you have this little gun at the bottom, and you shoot. Every time you get a random face, and you shoot it up, and you try to match, th- I don't know, three or four faces in a row, and they disappear uh, when you do that. And you get points, blah, 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 blah. When you make them all disappear, then you beat the level, and you go on to the next level. Pretty simple. But, uh, again, it's exactly the same, I believe, as Bust a Move, but I just remember playing this one a lot. So, this one gets a... One one spot higher on my list. I dig it. Yep. Hey, uh, my number three, Puzzle Bobble, a.k.a. Bust a Move. <laughs> <laughs> um, these games are fun. I, every once in a while, I, I think the Switch is, or excuse me, the Wii. Or I think the Wii is the last time I played one of these types of games on an actual console. Uh, I was like one of the added games or whatever. I spent a lot of time on it. It's a fun game. You already kind of described what it is, but it's they're fun. Every once in a while, I get in the groove to play them, but... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Number two is Dr. Mario. Oh, yeah. Um, primarily because this is, I've always had a really fun time playing this uh, to, like in versus mode. Uh, it's so fun. So in Dr. Mario, you are doing the same thing. Well, I'm sorry. You're, you're matching up colors. So you have a, every time, every round or, you know, every, every time you get a new piece, it's a pill that has uh, two colors. And they might be the same color or they might be different colors. I think there's only three. It's red, yellow, and blue. I'm pretty sure. And there are some viruses like that are kind of their own little pieces that are in this uh, little area where all your stuff is. And you're trying to get them all to go away. But when you play two-player and you start doing really good, and then when you get, whenever you make a whole lot of stuff go away, then it's, it's just like Tetris. Like stuff appears on your, on, your, uh, on your opponent's side. And they start getting pissed off. And... Uh, it's a uh, good good times are had all around. I like it. Uh, my number two is Blockout, which is uh, I think it's also known as like Well Tetris, but it's like a three D Tetris where the pieces are coming from above, and you essentially are putting them down. It sounds really weird because it's a top down view sort of Tetris, and you have oh to I understand. It. So it was kind of like three D ish, kind of yeah, but it was really old, so it was visually not. It was just kind of sketchy, but. <laughs> It was a cool concept. It didn't cool. work that well. Um, but I remember being, I was like, oh, this is so revolutionary. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> Not really that great. I think I see what you're saying. So it's Tetris as if you were kind of above the Tetris yeah, hole looking exactly. down into it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think cool. it's almost like Weltris or Weltetris or something. I think there's another name for it. Okay. All right. My number one is uh, actually another game that I played uh, on the last episode. That made us think of this um, this top five. I have to say it is my favorite Tetris-like game that I've played. That is Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. 
It is uh, pretty much just a match three game, or I think it's match four. Well, no, I guess it's not match three, because on match three, you start with the whole screen already filled, I think. In match three games, do you always just move them around, or do they have stuff drop in, or do you even know? I don't know what a match three. I don't 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 worry about it. It's not even worth us trying to figure it out. Let me back up. Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, you have little blobs coming down and you try to match the blobs up with each other and they disappear when you match them up. It was a little bit more fun because I felt like this game had a lot more character than most of these types of games do. Um, Especially in the fact that every time you, every level that you play, you're playing against an AI character, which kind of is a uh, neat little twist. And it made it a little bit less boring to me. That's just like, oh, I'm matching colors. Like, oh no, I got to match colors better than than this AI guy. That to me, Added quite a little bit. Cool. All right, number one. My number one's Doctor Mario. <laughs> I I, oh, okay, uh, okay. I I enjoy Doctor Mario. I love the virus concept. I love the single player going through levels. Like you talked about playing against other people's great, but the fucking soundtrack, man. I love the soundtrack. It's so addicting, and I love the the change of uh, the soundtrack. Uh, it goes through as you get further into the game because the more levels you get into, obviously, it goes faster and faster, and the soundtrack starts to pick up. It's just such a, I can hear it now and I haven't played the game in probably a year and a half since last time I played for the podcast. And it's just such a great tune. I, I've really enjoyed playing uh, my last playthrough of Mario, uh, Dr. Mario, excuse me. Uh, I do have one that I have to mention that is not on my list because it, it didn't come out within our uh, time frame. It only mm-hmm. came out, I don't know, four or five years ago. Uh, that's Honey Pop. Oh, God damn it, Robert. Uh, one of the greatest match threes to uh, ever be made. Robert, people gain respect for you, and then you say stuff like that. It came out in 2015. Right. Uh, Honey Pop 2 is supposed to come out um, this year, potentially. I- I'm thrilled, Robert. I promise. <laughs> Have you seen the teaser uh, trailer? Do you have emails? <laughs> One other that I would like to mention is uh, I think this would probably have been on my list if I had ever played it, but I have not. So obviously I don't know if I like it or not. Super Puzzle Fighter. It's a, a Street Fighter 2 based. Um, oh, yeah. I actually did see this when I was looking through. That's it's a cool concept. Yeah, it looks cool. I've never played it, so I can't speak to it. But uh, who knows? That could have been on my list. All right. Uh, our next top five is favorite uh, Honey Pop characters. God damn it, Robert. We actually picked a really good top five. I'm really excited about this one. We got a good top five. Why don't you tell the listeners what it is? So our top five for next time is going to be top five sound effects from classic games. So not specific like soundtracks or or like entire sound, uh, entire sound effects from a specific game, but like one specific sound from a game that is just super iconic that you really like. For instance, we were talking about uh, like the rupee sound from Zelda. Like I was talking about how, how appealing that sound is and how every time you hear it, you're like, yeah, that's right. Uh, that like just sounds like that or something specific that to you is just, it just clicks. Yeah, we couldn't, we, we don't think we've done this one before, but it's, it is definitely possible. We've probably done something similar. But we've yeah. probably done something similar. It's possible that we've done this, but we couldn't find it. So, uh, if we have done it, then sorry, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we promise we'll make it as interesting as we can anyways. And also fuck you. Cause we're going to do it anyways. So. Ooh, I just thought of another one actually. <laughs> Also, we're going to do top five gamer bathwater. Gamer bath. 
Oh shit! I can't. Stop. Top five can't gamers stop. who whose bathwater you would most like to purchase? Oh, you would drink. <laughs> Go number one. No, I will not. This is disgusting. I'm gonna Puck. throw up. You could pick the hottest girl in the world, and I would not drink that water. Puck. Okay, I would drink his water. <laughs> Eat some of his power. He's playing a lot of TFT, by the way. Uh, Daigo. You drink Daigo's water? Uh, hell yeah. It would infuse me with his... Power? Power, You know I call yeah. my dog Daigo all the time? <laughs> you really? What? Mm-hmm. Oh, because Diego? His name's Diego. Okay. Yeah. Call him Daigo all the time. That's, you should have just named him Daigo. Uh, it was Lisa's choice. Uh, it's her dog. She messed it's up. It's technically her dog's. Eh, I'm okay with it. He's a good boy. Oh, that's He's at okay. my feet, too. That's so. what's important. He's a very good boy. <laughs> all right. Um, let's go to emails. Uh, oh, real quick before we get to the actual emails, we did get a tweet also from, well, got several tweets, but one, one email-ish, oh. huh? You were cutting out for a sec, go ahead. Oh, my bad. One email-ish tweet. Uh, this is from uh, Jeff, a uh, frequent writer into the episode. He says, July 11th is my birthday, so if you record tonight, can J- this is not July 11th, but he says, so if you record tonight, can Jay sing happy birthday to me in his sexiest voice, of course, is it too much to ask? Oh, I can do the Britney Spears voice. Go. Happy birthday. I'm not doing it, but Jesus Christ. But you know the Britney Spears, you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know what you're talking about. She's saying happy birthday, I think to the president, wasn't it? I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. I thought she's saying happy birthday to the president. I could be wrong. I could be <laughs> when was this? Something. Like, was this a long time ago? Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I have no, I've never heard of this. Okay, never mind. Ignore me. It was some famous <laughs> musician, and I remember it was like it was like very uh, like sexual. The only thing that I can think of is uh, wasn't there? I want to say like Chris Farley or something like that doing something. Yeah, like he that. did. He did something like that too. Okay, that's all I can think. Of. Good lord. <laughs> all right, um, hold on. I might take this one. Let me take a look at something real fast. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll read this one. This is from. Charles? Um, yes, Charles. This is from Charles. He says, damn it, I keep like, I keep minimizing everything. Uh, he says, Robert, given your off-sided love for TMNT, TMNT 3 Turtles in Time, I thought you might want to check this out. Keep it the good work on the podcast. Uh, is there a... Look down below. Is there more? Talk like... to fan-made teenage movie. Oh, oh, okay. This is an article. Okay, sorry. I don't know if I was supposed to be looking for an image or something that he attached. This is an article from Kotaku. Free fan-made Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game is a fun throwback. Um, I, I, I believe this is just... I don't want to just read the Kotaku article, but let's see. Mm-hmm. I, I will pick out some things. Teenage I, it's Mutant, four player. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Rescue Palooza uh, is the name of the game. Uh, it's a fan-made PC game that is free to download. Uh, it is what? Yeah, have you picked out any any key points here? Uh, it's four-player. It looks like it's hot seat, so you have to play uh around your computer. You can't play online or anything. Uh, it doesn't support any controllers. It looks like. Um, 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, cool. Uh, thank so you. you. Check it out. Yeah, sorry. I just don't want to. I don't want to just read an, an article that that's not something that we wrote. Um, I was going to say it's just called Teenage Mutant Turtles Rescue Palooza. So if you if you want to take a look at it, if you're a big fan of uh, Teenage Mutant Turtles, sweet. Here thank you, you, Charles. All right, Jay. Uh, this is from Sven, who's been writing in uh, recently. Oh, awesome. I believe Sven has uh, some um, some impersonations for us to do. Oh no, no, no! Or, like, 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 or like him that. doing him doing his own impersonations that you. Oh, really perfect. Like. Okay, that's fine. Of, of you and me. All right, here we go. Hi, Ray. Hi, Robert. I'm trying to make it a habit of at right at excuse me of writing at least one email to you between episodes because I like. I like nothing more than hearing my my name read aloud on a podcast. So here goes. So today, I would like to recommend two absolutely hilarious point-and-click adventures to you guys. Well, especially to you, Robert, as everyone and their uncle know that this is your your favorite genre. I'm talking about Ben there, Dan that, and Time, gentlemen, please. I Both think I may have at games. least one of these in my Steam library. I'll check it out while you're while you're reading. Okay. Uh, Sven goes on to say, maybe you have played them already or even talked about them on the podcast, but I'm still in the process of listening to all the episodes chronologically. Got to episode 72 yesterday. Hey, congratulations. Thank you for getting past episode 15 and continuing to listen. (laughs) Good job. Um, With the occasional current episode in between. I cannot say that for sure. Uh, So if that may be the case, you are having already mentioned these games, my apologies. Uh, These two adventures are without doubt quite polar. Uh, without a doubt, quite polarizing, I'd say. For starters, they are only funny if the person playing them has played several, I want to say lots of, point-and-click adventures before, as many of the jokes deal with typical features, aspects, or game mechanics for this genre in general. So like tropes, essentially. Uh, for instance, if you explore, if you example, excuse me, for instance, if you, if if you, for example, look at a light switch, the game's main character, Ben, goes into a long monologue praising you what a great idea it was to have him look at the switch. Brilliant. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. So it's really hard to describe, and I think it doesn't sound funny at all when, <laughs> when one just explains it in text without context. But if you play the games, you'll probably laugh your ass off. I'd say they exactly hit your sense of humor. Uh, both games are also self-referential, i.e. when the game characters mention the poor way they are drawn and break the fourth wall several times as in the examples I provided above. They are also politically incorrect, and humor is absolutely black. In the first games, Ben kills several NPCs, and Dan, who you cannot actually control, uh, who you cannot actually control, but who follows you around, can be used, very similar to Max in Sam and Max. Makes fun of the fact that many times uh, during the game. The downside of the games are probably their length. Both are quite short, and and... The two easy puzzles. It is almost always clear what you have to do next, and it doesn't take long to find out how to do that. There's also no voice acting, and the graphics are very poor, which I don't really mind because it fits the style of games. But I can also see people hating the graphics too much to give them a chance. Uh, As both games are available on Steam as a bundle for less than a dollar, I'd really recommend giving them a try. Already, the very first scene in Ben There, Dan That is brilliant in being a play on the chicken pulley puzzle in Monkey Island. And if you find this short introductory scene funny, then you will definitely enjoy the rest of these two games. Let me finish my mail with a very typical typical soundbite from many of the earlier episodes. Let me interrupt real quick. Um, Yeah, you want to talk about your... 
Yeah. I, okay, so I checked my Steam library. I do actually have both of these games. Uh, I've never played them, though. But it, I think I'm going to have to check these out because actually all the stuff that you said so far is like, it's actually really funny, but it probably sounds stupid as hell to somebody who doesn't who hasn't played these kind of games. All that stuff actually did sound pretty funny to me. So thank you, Sven. I may finally uh, end up checking these out. Okay, go All on. All right. Uh, so Sven says, let me finish my mail with a very typical soundbite from many earlier episodes. Robert. So I don't know like <laughs> if I've like mentioned it already, but I like beat you, Jay, like at StarCraft. Do you like remember it like me? Sounding handsome as always. Are you fucking kidding me, bro? I will fucking destroy you. Do you want to go right now? Seriously, do you want to go? Or do you want to go? I cannot believe it. I will crush you. I will rip your head off and shit down your throat. I will. I actually do remember specifically saying that to you. Uh, Robert, <laughs> well, like, just saying, I have, like, the perfect record of, like, this is one to zero, one to, like, zero. So, like, I'm clearly the better, like, player. Back to me, of course. Uh, and then I'll rip out your beating heart. You don't have to. You don't have a snowball's chance in hell. I will absolutely annihilate you. Hey Blake, Blake, please stream our match. I will so fucking kill this guy. I swear. As the way always, you said that, Blake, Blake sounded so natural. <laughs> well, that, I think that's me talking to Blake. Yeah, no, I think it is too. Okay. I, I agree. It just sounded exactly like how you would have said it. Um, as always, Blake is naturally not paying attention any attention whatsoever to anything Jay and Robert are saying. He's too busy eating a giant plate of spaghetti and setting uh, setting speedrun world records for his Binding of Isaac and Nuclear Throne simultaneously. <laughs> so there's no answer from him, Robert. Yeah, like I think I like can beat you like any time as like I did the time before when we like played. Back to me uh, for the fucking mother of God is the world listening? Are you out of your mind, dude? So you want to go right now? I'll wipe the floor with your guts. Bro, I don't remember saying this, but this is pretty good. Uh, you, don't, you don't have what it takes to be pro like me. Yeah, I'm a pro at fucking StarCraft. And I will fuck you up, and I'll cry. For, you'll cry for your mommy when I'm done with you. You want to go right now? I'm, I'm ready when you are. I was born ready at StarCraft because I'm a pro. Back to Robert. Um, yeah, like whatever, but, you know, like I beat you like every time. Like so. And he closes okay. with, keep up the great work, Sven. Okay. I do remember those days. But if you do want to go right now, I will shit down your throat, Robert. <laughs> Did I have a perfect, I have a perfect record against you? I'll kill you. I will crush you. Anyways. Thanks, Finn. Thanks, Finn. Next up, we got... Uh, this is an email from Jeff. My dog was chewing on my foot when I was like halfway through that email. And I was like, I, he's never done that before. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I was trying to read the email. At the same time, like, am I going to die? Like, Maybe he didn't like the impersonations. Yeah, he just hates your voice. <laughs> Jeff says, hey, dudes. Uh, thought I would try something new instead of waiting until the day I know that you are recording a podcast to send out some witty email that insults my best friend Rob or just half-assing whatever your top five is. I thought I might just send out a real, true, heartfelt email. I dig it. I don't know what spurred these thoughts, but somehow I ended up thinking back to a special day in my life. No, not my memories of playing Frogger on an Atari or Faxanadu on an NES and my babysitter's or getting an NES with Duck Hunt with Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers on my fifth birthday in 1987, but a very specific memory that I had a sense of control of ownership over. My parents divorced in 1988, and years later, when my mom had summer visitation, she would weekly take us for dinner at KFC or Taco Bell and let us rent a movie or video game at Blockbuster. My sister wasted the opportunity to rent Dance Till Dawn, Drop Dead Fred, which is hilarious, or some other random motion picture. But I made the most of the opportunity by renting Looney Tunes, B-Ball, Cool Spot, Jurassic Park, or some other shitty licensed or sports SNES game. However, on one fortuitous occasion, 
Solely based upon the box art, I rented Chrono Trigger. I had never heard the initials RPG, nor did I even vaguely grasp the concept of a game with saves beyond my experiences with the first two Zelda games and the original Metroid. The scope and scale... Uh, the scope and scale of this game and its story blew my fucking mind. I rented it three or four times that summer, and when I made it to Magus, I thought, holy shit, I've never seen anything like this. The music and the flames popping up as I approached were so cinematic and impactful. I didn't beat him that summer, and ended up having to wait until Christmas when a uh, cartridge of Chrono Trigger was my only present. I started, I started again from the beginning and proceeded to find that defeating Magus was not even the halfway point. Beating the game and the new game plus, plus, oh, sorry, beating the game and new game plusing the game and replaying the game and getting every ending possible thanks to my detective skills in the nascent stages of the internet and gamefacts.com were just the gateway. They led to Final Fantasy VII, borrowed from a friend, Breath of Fire Three, <laughs> another rental, shitty RPGs like Final Fantasy VIII and Legend of Dra- Dragoon, backtracking to classics like FF1, Vandal Hearts and Wild Arms, and having a crescendo, I'm sorry, and hitting a crescendo with Final Fantasy Tactics. I played Wolfenstein 3D, Drug Wars, and Duke Nukem on my PC as a kid. I played the original Mario Bros. Commando RBI Baseball, I'm sorry, Commando RBI Baseball, Mega Man 2, and dozens of games on my NES, but one day I ran a Chrono Trigger and I am not exaggerating at all when I say that it changed my life. Yeah. RPGs meant so much to me for a good 10 years or so. I hardly made time for video games. I hardly make time for video games now. What with my wife, three children, full-time job, working out, and trying to fit in a movie or show now and then. But part of why your podcast means so much to me is that occasionally you touch on a memory of mine that I can passively listen to, and it touches on years of nostalgia. Do video games have meaning? Hell no. But does any of this have meaning? Our existence, (laughs) our existence, our personal experiences, our memories or emotions. I don't know, man. I really don't. But thinking back to that day when I looked at the box art of Chrono Trigger and thought, what in the world is this? I don't know, but I'm interested. Gives me a lot of joy. Your silly discussions and lists of ridiculous tangents touch on these types of moments in my life and they make me happy. I know that you both put time into setting aside your personal lives of having a wife and daughter, in Rob's case, and playing Gloomhaven and hiking, in Jay's case, (laughs) to record and produce this silly little podcast. I just hope both of you know that this this doesn't just provide a diversion for a few people. It provides many moments of happiness for a bunch of us out there. Anyway, I hope this comes across the way I meant to be putting it out. I'm so happy to have Rob, Jay, the memory of Blake, Simon... Samuel, Jonathan, the st- <laughs> Jonathan, the statistician, Chase, don't call him Charlie, <laughs> <laughs> long-winded father beast, OG Ben Woodring, guests, SNES drunk, Gaming J, Extra Lives, and everyone else associated with this podcast in my life. Thank you for taking time away from your lives to put this out there for us emailers and all of the lurking listeners. You guys are the yeah, best. Oh, sorry. Sorry, last sentence. You guys are the best. And if it's only, and if it's only once every three weeks, it is truly some of the best two-hour chunks of my life. Sincerely, Jeffrey. See, that's where you're wrong, though. We don't have lives. <laughs> damn, this was but a. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much, Jeff. This was the. Uh, damn, that was a uh, 
fantastic email, I have to oh, say. Yeah. Mainly just because he told us about how amazing we are. But uh, no, seriously, thank you. I got to say, I got right now, by the way, I'll read this real quick. P.S. There is a P.S. here. Uh, fuck you, Rob. Metal Gear sucks. So actually, this <laughs> is now the worst email. But um, this may be my favorite email that we've ever gotten now. <laughs> Damn. Setting the bar. I mean, how do you beat this? I know we've gotten some really good emails, but I don't know how you beat this one. Top five emails. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jay. I really appreciate it. I mean, Jeff, <laughs> I really oh, appreciate welcome, it. Oh, you're welcome for everything, dog. It is really nice to hear that people appreciate what we do. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. So, uh, so thank you very, very much. <clears throat> All right. Um, Jay, this one is from NOS. New one. I think he's written him before. He or she has okay. written him before. There you go. Good evening, Rob NJ. NOS here. I would lear- first like to apologize for not writing in sooner. My work schedule changed six months ago, and I was not able to keep up with the podcast. I'm now back on night shift and have been catching up, and I still go back and listen to the older episodes as well. It's the one thing I look forward to look forward to most during the week since I work a seven on seven. Oh my God. A seven on seven off schedule. Wow. Um, I'm thankful that the podcast has gone this long so I can listen to episodes over and over again, like a good TV show and it does not get stale. Jesus, what the hell's going on today? Thank you. <laughs> what is going on? The upside down world. Uh, NOS goes on to say for the top five Tetris games, uh, Tetris like games this week, I do not have much to contribute since I am only familiar with the original Tetris for Game Boy. It's an obvious classic and will remain in the history books for as long as gaming is alive. However, I do have a friend that got obsessed with the game for a while and even had mentioned him dreaming about it in his sleep. Although there's a new version of Tetris that sparked my interest that's called Tetris 99, which seems to be a sort of battle royale Tetris game where you simultaneously play against 99 players. Yeah, Rob and I have talked about this before. It's, it's a very interesting concept. I was actually thinking about getting it at some point because it just it's just one of those games you could throw on and, and you know throw with people and just have some fun. Um, NOS goes on to say, I don't know much more about it than that since I've only seen little gameplay from its streamers. Yeah, likewise. Uh, for my game recommendations this week, I would like to suggest Power Stone and Power Stone 2 for Sega Dreamcast. It was made by Capcom and came out in 1999. I first discovered Power Stone early in the Dreamcast's life as a kid. Uh, it was my second game I ever bought for the system right behind Sonic Adventure. Power Stone is a 3D fighting game. Oh, uh, is a 3D fighting game that pits you against one other player or up to three other players in Power Stone 2. You fight within a small arena map running and ar- running around and collecting items, weapons, and of course, Power Stones. After collecting all three Power Stones, uh, are these like Infinity Stones? Uh, your fighter temporarily transforms into a super version of themselves with enhanced abilities, defense, and super move for a finisher. The controls feel so good, the characters have diverse moves and personality, and the maps have a nice charm to them. Uh, Power Stone 2 improved on the first game with more items, characters, maps, and secrets. It also added a sort of adventure mode with, and with a sub-boss with a few uh, mini-games. The game still holds up well, in my opinion, and brings a smile to my face. I don't hear much about this game, and I'm not sure why, since I think it's a fantastic game and deserves a remake. If you guys, ever, if you guys have never played it, I highly suggest it, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. It would be a great mm-hmm. for review. Side note, they made an anime out of it that ran for 26 episodes. Wow. Wow. Have you ever heard of this game? No, I've, I don't think I have. Okay. Uh, my question of the week. If you guys could give any advice to someone trying to get into RPGs, what would it be and what would you recommend? Ooh. Oh, gee, this is all you, Jay. So I have a couple things that I've learned recently. Um, for me, 
RPGs have been more difficult if there are distractions around. So I emulate a lot of games on my computer. What I started doing when I'm playing RPGs is I turn off my other monitor. Because if I'm doing anything else, if I'm on Reddit, if I'm on Twitch, if I'm doing anything else on my other monitor, even if I'm in Discord a lot of times, it's too distracting for me to get engrossed in RPGs. So I would say sort of isolate. Try to get to a situation where you can focus purely on the game and you have no other distractions going on. Um, like if you have it on your phone or on like a mobile device, you can just plug in headphones and just zone out. Um, for me, it's been really helpful for a lot of RPGs. Um, and then I would also look around to see if there's one that catches your eye from a visual standpoint, if there's certain soundtracks that might catch you. That way you have a little bit of an in as opposed to going into a game and going, Final Fantasy VI is supposed to be one of the best RPGs of all time and not really liking it because maybe the graphics don't interest you or the story doesn't interest you or the specific subtype of an RPG doesn't interest you. Try to find one that, that really draws you in to kind of get your feet wet before you you know dive headfirst into the Chrono Triggers, um, the Earthbounds, the Final Fantasy VII's of the world. I, th- I think that's a, a good starting point. I think that's uh, super solid advice. I don't, I, I don't feel like I can contribute much to this because I don't, you know, I, there are a few RPGs that I really, really love and sometimes I get in the mood for them, but for the most part, I tend to gravitate toward other genres. What I would say uh, from, from that viewpoint is the times that I've had the least amount of fun with RPGs is where I start one and basically all I want to do is just finish it. And I don't, like like you were saying, I don't really take the time to just let it happen and enjoy it. I'm more focusing, I'm, I'm more focused on, on getting done with it. So, you know, fi- find one that you think, like Jay said, looks interesting and seems interesting. And then just kind of play it and don't worry about like, oh, I got, I want to get to the end to see what happens. Or I want to, you know, get through this to see if I like it. Just, just play it and enjoy it. If you don't, then just quit. Because you're you're not if you force yourself through it, then that's not going to be fun either. I like it. Uh, NOS goes on to say, I've always found RPGs fascinating, but was always too intimidated to try them or start them. Ever since I was a kid, I think that carried over. Uh, excuse me, that that was the end of the sentence. I think that carried over for me into adulthood. I loved watching my friends play them and still do. Even now, when I think of old video games and nostalgia hits, certain old titles such as A Link to the Past. Final Fantasy VII, and Secret of Mana come to mind, even though I've personally never played them. I was thinking about trying Earthbound, Secret of Mana, or Chrono Trigger. Do you guys have any helpful tips or advice or any way to get me hyped to make it through my first RPG? Um, ooh, I would probably stay... Well, I don't know. I would probably recommend Earthbound. Um, I think the... It's, it's an older game, so if, if that doesn't bother you, I think some of the mechanics, especially for me, the auto-kill combat when you're too high-level mechanic was really great for me because... One of the things that's really annoying about old RPGs is you have the random battle system. And in this system, you can see the mobs. So you know if you're going to be in a lot of combat. And on top of that, if you're superior, if you're like way higher level than the mobs, you don't actually even go into a fight. You just execute the mob. And it's really nice when you're backtracking or you maybe you, you went the wrong direction. Instead of being punished for another 15-minute walk through a dungeon where you're just random battle after random battle, it makes the game a little bit more seamless and makes the experience overall just just better i mean well, in, in my eyes one thing i will say about that is that yes that is true but that doesn't happen very frequently in earthbound it is there for sure but sure for the vast majority it's going to be mobs that you actually ha- do have to fight it's true and again you do see them which is nice um yeah. so that that kind of makes it a little bit more exciting for me i do like the transitions for i would say earthbound or chrono trigger secret of mana i haven't played far enough into i just never have been able to get into it uh but it's an action rpg so if you are looking for more of that 
that style, obviously that's going to be that's going to be you. Earthbound or Chrono Trigger, obviously, are more uh, turn-based RPGs. I so. would say go for a turn-based RPG. Look at find one that looks interesting to you, and then just play it and see if you like it. And don't force yourself to finish it if you're just if you're not liking it. Yeah, Super Mario, Super Mario RPG is another one, good one from my perspective. I think it's a great game. Um, or like um, Paper Mario is like another. I don't want to say casual, but a simpler RPG, not a super in-depth story, um, pretty seamless. But if you're looking to get into some of the old, really, really high hitters, I, I think you named two of them right there. So you're on the right track. Okay. Um, so NOS goes on to say, thank you, Roberto and J-Rod, for all that you guys do. Sincerely, sincerely, NOS. Thank you for the wonderful email. I mean, it's been phenomenal tonight, but thank you very much. Yeah. Next one is from father beast father beast says hello classicists father beasts here uh in the new segment of my email i should note that they are releasing another commodore 64 retro unit the same people who brought us the commodore 64 mini the twist is that this one is the same size as the original and has a working keyboard i have not heard about this uh, well, in the, in the area of listing my top, t- uh, my top Tetris games, I only remember a few and online lists don't even seem to list all the ones I remember. I seem to recall I bought a CD full of Tetris games a long time ago, but I, but I can't find it now. So I'll just go with what I remember. Top three Tetris games. Number three, Beatrice. This was one of those games on the CD. Instead of clumps of square blocks, it dropped clumps of hexagons. It was okay. <laughs> Two, <laughs> Tetris. The original, it's still fine to play. And number one, Weltris. We really got into this one. The blocks dropped down this from game any... I was about. Huh? This is the game I was talking about. Weltris? Yeah, it's the 3D one I was talking about. Okay. He says the top, the blocks dropped down from any of four sides like you were looking down a well. Yep. Hence the name. You could rotate the blocks as well as scoot them around uh, the four sides to line up your drop. Lines could be cleared either horizontally or vertically. If you had blocks end up partly on a wall of the well, that side would turn red and be unusable for a few drops. Game was over when you shut down all four sides at once. I found it enjoyable. Okay, I guess I'm not much into Tetris games. Yeah. Yeah. You and me both. I think we're all learning that. Yeah. In other news, I'm still playing Quest for Glory 2, the VGA fan remake. For the game of the quarter, I will probably watch some Let's Plays from Mr. Mosquito as well. I love he's just doing his own game of the quarter. That's great. All right. Uh, he says, still listening, Father Beast. Thank you very much, Father Beast. Always good to hear from you. All right, Jay. Why don't you take this one? Yeah. Uh, this one is from the venerable uh, Night Cleaner. Oh, never mind. I don't want to read it. <laughs> I'm kidding. <clears throat> Hello, gentlemen. Chase, the night cleaner here with a very last minute email. How are you both? I'm doing well. Great. It's Tuesday night. Um, I had a really stressful last week, so this week's been very calm so far. Pretty damn nice. How about you, Robert? Uh, I cannot complain. I'm doing pretty good. Also, we are 40 days away from WoW, so I'm very excited <laughs> right now. Listen, I'm getting those chains. You know, like when you were a kid and you had those Christmas chains and you counted chains? down the days till. Yeah, you made, didn't you make those? Or maybe it was just here. I don't know. But we'd make these chains. It was alternating red and green. And we'd make them so many days out before Christmas. And each day you tore off a chain. It was like, yes, I'm that much closer to Christmas. I don't think I ever that had that. We just had the little things where you open it up or, you know, tear a piece off. And there's 
same concept. picture underneath or something. Yeah, same yeah I'm doing that for a while. I have one of those here. Okay. Um, so uh, he says, so I hacked the PS Classic and it's actually awesome now. Those will likely sell like crazy now that the modders have figured out how to make them good. There are lots of videos on YouTube about it, but it is crazy what you can do with these systems now. But that said, it is time for a quick question of the day. What is the most luxurious thing you have bought in order to have the best gaming experience possible? Oh, jeez. Uh, um, probably collector's edition of some kind. I don't really buy, like, I buy new computers every once in a while because I know a new game's coming out. But that's, like, uh, that's not just for that game usually. It's for, like, multiple multiple games. I think collector's editions for me. I'm trying to think what else. That's a good call. Um, for gaming me. keyboards, maybe? Remember some of the ga- that's keyboards another we used? Good one. Yeah, gaming keyboards keyboard um i would say yeah may, although i don't know of any collector's editions besides the metal gear solid 5 and uh breath of the wild i guess the first thing that comes to mind for me is the is <laughs> complete inbox earthbound that was <laughs> expensive and uh that was before you get it on the snes classic or anything like that i uh well, I guess you probably got it. I think you could get it on the 3DS, but I didn't have a 3DS at the time. But I really wanted Earthbound in box for two reasons. One is because I like to buy my games in box, but also because it comes with the, uh, the 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 guide, the like the player's guide thing, you know. Sure. So I really wanted that, um, and that was like I said, that was very expensive on eBay. Uh, so I would, that that's probably what I would go with, yeah. I think those kind of go hand in hand. Like for me, it was like equipment, mechanical keyboards, nice mouse for games, uh, players guides. I was big into players guides when I was younger. I loved just being fully engrossed in games because it was like I'll play the game anytime I can, and then if I have to poop, I can read the book while I'm pooping. That way, I can just be 100 <laughs> percent engrossed in a game. There you go. Partially kidding, but partially serious. All right. Uh, Chase says I bought a 4K TV almost a year ago because I wanted to game in 4K and still haven't bought a system that can do it. <laughs> I guess I am future proof uh, now, there you though. Go. Yeah, the only problem is they're going to make a new one soon. AKTV are going to be like, God damn it. I <laughs> uh, says, and that is it for me. Thanks, as always, for your amazing show and all that you do. Regards, Chase the Night Cleaner. Thanks, Chase. Awesome. Thank you, Chase. Yeah, much appreciated. All right, next. We got two more. Next one is from Simon. Simon says, Dear Robert and Jasper, I might, oh. be, <laughs> might be too late. For episode 131, nope, you're not. But considering I really should have sent this email for the last episode, I figure lateness doesn't matter. I started playing Diablo in time for the Game of the Quarter episode, but didn't really think I had much to say about it, so I didn't write an email. Or maybe I was just lazy and that was the excuse I gave myself. I remember getting a demo of Diablo on a magazine cover disc back when it first came out. I played through the demo a few times and always thought it was really cool and wanted to get the full game. But being a kid with no money, I only ever got games as Christmas or birthday presents, and there was always a Nintendo game I wanted more, so I never ended up getting Diablo. Fast forward to 2019 when you announced it as Game of the Quarter, and I realized it was time to finally change that. After having died several times within the first hour of the game, I actually thought, well, okay, at least I gave it a go, but I clearly suck at this, and I was going to give up and move on. I think if I had gotten the game for free or even paid like $1 for it, I probably would have done so, but I was like, no, I paid 12 whole dollars for this. I need to play it for more than an hour. So I persisted. And once I started actually getting somewhere, I found it really addictive and had to struggle to make myself stop playing it for hours on end. I was surprised to hear that Jade didn't finish it because somehow I did. And it really felt like an achievement that my 11 year old self playing the demo would be Damn proud it. of. <laughs> that said, 
I played as the warrior, so I didn't really have to worry about mana, and I can understand how running out of money could be a problem. I was worried the same thing might happen to me uh, just from all the money I kept spending on healing potions, so I found myself constantly trekking back to the town to get free healing to reduce my need for potions. Smart. I probably spent way more time walking back to town than I actually... Yeah, that sounds like a pain, Oh, right? Wow. God, that was so annoying. I probably spent way more time walking back to town than I actually did fighting monsters. I didn't even use the town portal scrolls until near the end because I didn't want to waste them. Wow. The other thing I realized later in the game is that you can make quite a lot of money selling armor and weapons. I had generally just been dumping them on the ground whenever I found something better. Holy shit. <laughs> Jeez. But once I started selling them, money wasn't much of an issue anymore. No, no, no. Not at all. Most items go up exponentially in value once you identify them. I only ever had one that was a dud and went down in value. So on average, it was always worth it to identify every item. Yeah, I don't think I ever had one that went down. They all went like... It was like $100 to identify and then you can sell it for $5,000. There was one that was worth one. It was like, <laughs> it was like reduces all your stats by 11 or something stupid. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, no, I didn't encounter that, but I, I, the more I hear from you and, and reading this email, I'm, I think the, um, the rogue is the way to go for at least new players because you do have to kite really bad because your, uh, health is so low and you can't take sure. much damage, but that also means that you don't have to, spend all your money on potions because you have to avoid the damage in the first place or else you're just going to die. Makes sense. Um, let's see. It's also really cool. Um, it's also really cool that the game remembers where you drop every single item. Yeah. I was actually impressed by that also. Hmm. Uh, I was sure that my dropped items were going to disappear once I left the level, but when I realized they would still be there when I came back later, I started dumping everything in the town or near the stairs so that I could let, so that, so that I could collect them on my next trip back, which made it a lot easier to sell stuff and helped with the money situation. One thing I don't think anyone talked about in the episode was the inventory grid. I'm not sure if this was the first game to use a grid instead of just limiting our items by number or weight, but I'm pretty sure it was the first time I'd seen it when I played the demo. I think it's kind of a cool idea in that it doubles as a way to limit your inventory and as a quick visual representation of all your items. One thing I did find annoying about it was that you couldn't rotate the items, like to turn a sword horizontal. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. To make them fit. Because, hey, if you had been able to do that, you could potentially have listed Diablo as your number one Tetris-like game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I somehow managed to come up with five paragraphs after not thinking I had much to say about Diablo, which probably attests more to my ability to ramble than anything. I might go back and play the other classes one day, but for now, I'm just really happy that I finally played all the way through the game after all these years. Finally, yeah. happy birthday, Jeff. Considering I was literally, yes, literally, the only person in my high school music class who failed singing, I better leave that part up to Jay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's get right on board with that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much, Simon. All right, Jay, you got this one? This is sure. uh, a quick final short one from Samuel. Samuel says, hi guys, just a quick message to let you know that I'm still around. The whole reason I stopped writing in is because I never got around to playing Quest for Glory and felt super embarrassed about it, so I didn't write in. <laughs> I don't feel embarrassed about that. You don't have no, to participate in everything. Not. Yeah. Uh, and then life started to be started being a dick. It does that. 
Uh, so I've been trying to recover. I don't have remotely as much time to listen to podcasts as I used to. So I fall behind on episodes. I'm sorry. See, that's unforgivable. That's yeah. where we're going to ask you to step it up. Right. At least he apologizes. Uh, oh, perfect. Uh, Samo says, but once I've gotten a few things figured out, I'll catch up and maybe even write in with something topical. For now, I'll hope you guys and all the great listeners slash emailers have been well. I'll get around to writing again, writing in again. Not sure. Excuse me. Not sure when, though. Possibly less than a year. Probably less than a year from now, Samuel. Thanks well, for the touch point. Thank you, Samuel. And you can write in for the uh, next game of the quarter, keep in mind, which will be uh, what do we figure out? Um, July, August, September. Um, yeah. Near Sometime roughly near the end of September. The game is Mr. Mosquito for PS2. I think it's going to be ridiculous and interesting. So why don't you do that, Samuel? That'll be your uh, time to shine. Uh, Jay, any current gaming subcast games to quickly go over? Not really. Uh, playing a little bit of TFT, which is uh, Riot's attempt at auto chess. Kind of over it already. I don't know what it is about it. I still huh. really like Dota's auto chess. Um, I've really just been kind of playing some classic, some some classic older games. Uh, a little bit of Left 4 Dead. I started playing again just to play some games with friends. Oh wow, really? Yeah, Left 4 Dead's always been a really fun game to me. Hmm. Um, I haven't played it in years, so I've been playing that a little bit. Just pl- find some games to buy time until WoW comes out. I've I never, I like kind of liked Left 4 Dead, but I never really got attached to it uh, very much. I I, I didn't play it until until they released it for free. You know, as like they did eventually. <laughs> Or I don't know if that that may have just been a limited thing. I think but, it was a limited thing, yeah. Okay, but at one point it was they released it for free, and that was when I got it, and uh, I was like, yeah, this is all right, and I played it, you know, maybe like a few hours, and that was about it. Yeah, it's been fun so far. Sweet. Uh, I've been playing Tyranny, which is a uh, a uh, new CR. Well, I say new. It's a CRPG that came out, I think, a year and a half or two years ago. Um. I don't really have much to say about it yet. Besides, I am really liking it. It's it's fun. You are a... Um, one of the kind of interesting things about it is you're basically a bad guy. You, uh, there's this... It's set in this world where this, uh, this one kind of civilization is just uh, like conquering everything else. Uh, they're just conquering everybody else just because they can. And you are one of the people working for this... Uh, civilization and um, you're kind of set off to this thing where they're having this trouble kind of conquering this one place and you're going out there to help. And then it all kind of goes, it just kind of continues from there. That's kind of where the game starts. Uh, It's really fun. It's, it kind of, it's, it's similar to, uh, well, vaguely kind of similar to um, pillars of eternity. That, that type of CRPG where you really have to be paying attention to, what all your characters in the party are doing, like in battle, as far as battles go, you have to really be paying attention to what all your characters are doing and exactly what spells they're using and that kind of stuff, or else you're just going to die. It's not like a, uh, it's not like a JRPG battle system, even like the kind of like the pseudo real time ones where you can usually kind of let them go and they'll do whatever and maybe cast a couple of healing spells and generally they'll be fine. It's like, if you don't really focus on what spells you're using and abilities and stuff like that, then you're, probably just going to get wrecked in just about any battle. So uh, that's been fun. The, uh, the coolest thing about it is for me is not the battle stuff, but the, but the story stuff and kind of choosing what things you're going to do for every kind of story beat. 
there's a there's a whole lot of that, and that's that's the really interesting part to me. So I'll talk about it a little bit more once I get farther into it, or probably maybe I'll wait until I finish it if I do finish it. But so far, I, I really am enjoying it. Good. Besides that, I've been playing a little bit more Hearts of Iron 4, but uh, that's about it. I dig. All right. So as I mentioned, our game of the quarter will be playing in September. It is Mr. Mosquito for PS2. I have not bought my copy yet, but I will buy it. I'm going to buy it in, in a week or so. And uh, get uh, get playing that so I can talk about it in September. Uh, the game of the quarter, if you're not familiar, if you're a new listener, it's a game where uh, Jay and I are both going to be playing it, and then all of our listeners are also invited to play it and send in their thoughts for that episode. We'll tell you what we'll tell you specifically the date once we get closer to that time. Aside from that, leave us amazing reviews on iTunes. Please tell all your friends to check us out. Email us whatever you want to. It can be a top five. It can be Anything else you feel like, you can you can try to uh, you can solicit your bathwater if you'd like. Uh, yeah, please do that. The top five is um, the top five sound effects in classic video games. So individual sound effects, not like you know, not like Earthbound has the best sound effects, but like this this particular sound effect is my number five. Is how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, our email address is mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Uh, please follow us at on Twitter at Class Gamescast. I am at King Octavius, and I think that's all we got this time. Jay, if you're all good, then we will see everybody in about three weeks' time. I think you covered everything. I think we're good. Awesome. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you later. Thank you, guys. Take care.